1: Are you kidding me? The decision. Is to make. Stealing the Stealing yeah, Deal! The basic car that's gonna take on John Cena for a WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. And Which is why, at this moment, my client hereby officially announces his intention to conquer John Cena and take the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam! Now, my client officially acknowledges this divide that permeates through the WWE universe. There are those who wear their green t-shirts and their pump-up sneakers and they scream with great passion their love and adulation for their hero by staying at the top of their lungs Let's go, Sina! And there are those who offer the contrarian opinion and whose mommies don't tuck them into bed at night, and they will say with great fervor and passion, Sina stop. Now it doesn't matter to my client which side of the fence you want to ride on. This malpracticing doctor of bugonomics is in for the beating of a lifetime. I don't just stand out here and you hype and hyperbole, I exploit historical facts to shove my points down your throats. To wit, I offer you what happened the last time my client, Brock Lesnar, zeroed in on someone and decided to give them a beating. <laughs> said, I want to be the one to beat The Undertaker and snap the streets, but that wasn't good enough for Brock Lesnar. At WrestleMania, my client, Brock Lesnar, gave such a violent beating to The Undertaker that Vince McMahon had a ride in the ambulance to the hospital with The Undertaker because even our heartless chairman was concerned for a dead man. Again,
3: thank you for joining us here on Tuesday, July 22, 2014. As you hear the returning Brock Lesnar, let's bring our panel of experts, starting with from Chicago. He is our true wrestling insider, ladies and gentlemen, Double J, JJ. Good evening, JJ, and welcome aboard. King Jordan Radio,
4: how are you? Hey,
5: King, great to be on. Uh, Lots of big news. I remember we were talking about uh, the WWE magazines. They've just released a yearbook edition, and uh, one of the first things they posted was a tribute to the Ultimate Warrior. They have a picture of uh, the WWE superstars on stage with the Warrior's image on the Titantron, so it's pretty cool. It's a part of WWE. Uh, 2014, the yearbook magazine. Also, they just announced for SummerSlam Access, WWE 2K15 will have another panel this year featuring Hulk Hogan, John Cena, Sheamus, Cesaro, and Roman Reigns, and they will go over the entire roster of who will be featured in the video game, much like last year. I'm worried about who, whoever is hosting that, because we all remember what happened last year with Jim Ross. Hopefully we don't have a repeat yeah. of that this year. <laughs> yes,
3: yeah, I think they'll leave Rick Flair out of it. <laughs> okay, yeah, we do have a, a guest here. Uh, let's go over to line three. Uh, this might be the Dominic or Blackjack. Let's see who it is. Line three, you're open. Yo, what's up, guys? I'm Dominic. Hey. Yeah, hey JJ. Dominic.
6: Hey King.
3: Hey, hey Dom, did you get my message?
6: Yeah, and both I got both messages, and you didn't leave your new number in in either one.
3: Okay, I'll leave it for you uh, after the show. Yeah, okay, So, but good. uh, Mr. Powers has received it, so good, good. that's the uh, news. Okay, let's see if we have the other uh, horseman here. Is this Mr. Brown on line four? Blackjack, gang, are you there with the
7: The gang's all here. My brothers, how are you this evening?
5: Blackjack, what's up, bro? Awesome, man. You know, I found you in the Sun-Times again uh, this Sunday. Great stuff, Blackjack.
7: Yeah, man, you, you you never know. Well, from week to week, even though uh, wrestling is number one in our lives, it's not that way for everybody. And I'm surprised that they still even run it, and when they had the room for it. So uh, thank goodness for that. So uh, they still um, love the column out there in Chicago. Thank you, guys. Thank you, JJ, my brother. Yeah.
5: All right, man. Always great to check it out. I'm happy the Sun-Times included it, especially this Sunday with the big pay-per-view and uh, your picks of SummerSlam and uh, your picks of Battleground. So great stuff, lots of great inside uh, insider information.
7: Thank you, my brother.
3: No doubt. And this is, of course, the wrestling show, but I do want to uh, talk about something that, that I will probably get to on my show Thursday. A lot of you know that uh, the young man, Eric Gardner, was taken down and beat up by police uh, for selling um, some kind of cigarettes, I guess. Uh, The man was uh, was sitting, just standing there minding his own business. It was all caught on tape. It's disgusting. disgusting. It's not right. It's disgusting. It must change. The guy couldn't breathe. He's a nice guy from what everybody's saying. And by golly, I'm ashamed to be a part of the, to be involved with any part of these New York scumbag cops. If you see that video. Jordan, you knew that guy? No, I didn't know that guy. But I know. You said you knew who the guy was. No, but what I can tell, he seemed like a very nice guy. Did you see the tape?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I saw it in the
6: news and on the news. It was five on one. They choked the guy out, a a hold illegal by the police department. So what do they do? Totally illegal. They give the guy a desk job. Big deal.
3: They give him a desk job.
6: Yeah.
4: desk job. The one I'm that did
3: the joke. Real. Yep. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. that cop is 20 years old, and all uh, oh, he gets is death job. You should get. You yep. should be in jail, like any other person awaiting trial. And I don't want to make this a racist thing, but let's face it. It, it is. It is a racist thing. If the guy was white, that wouldn't happen. Nope. It's it. And if any one of the cops first. was black, it wouldn't have happened. That's right. And on Tuesday, Thursday, we'll have much more in depth about that. I am appalled, appalled at that. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Okay. Now, J.J., uh, you have some more news on Mr. C. and Punk. Uh, yes. With John Stewart, I believe also some news on that. Yeah. Uh, but Punk finally spunk at finally spoke at some kind of uh, AP Music Awards. What's the deal on that?
5: Yes, yeah, so actually, you know, Punk of course, you know, had obligations to the WWE earlier this year. But he was actually supposed to host the event. The event was yesterday, of course, on a Monday, and he couldn't host the event because at the time that they were going through these negotiations, he was still a part of the company. But, yeah, as we all know, things kind of fell through between Punk and the WWE, so instead they brought him in as last minute
4: to host
5: the sort of live carpet uh, red event. It was uh, the Alternative Press Music Awards. It was the first inaugural event featuring just a lot of musicians, especially, you know, of, you know, the punk, punk rock variety, you know, those are punk people, and Punk finally spoke on CBS News, someone asked him, you know, what have you been doing for, you know, the last, you know, six months, and he showed off his wedding ring to AJ Lee, and he mentioned he was off the market, then they proceeded to ask him, are you a current WWE superstar or a former WWE superstar, And Punk's response was, you know, I'm just CM Punk. You know, I'm I'm just, you know, I'm just a superstar. I'm, you know, neither or. And then the, the reporter continued to ask him, pressuring him and saying, will there ever be a chance we will see you inside of a squared circle again? And Punk's response was simply no. And the guy goes, really, never? And Punk just said, never, ever, never, ever. They said the people on Twitter are going to go crazy over that and probably have to hold them to his word, but, you know, whatever. So, I mean, this is the first time Punk has really spoken out about the WWE and the falling out they had. He's also scheduled to appear at Comic-Con this, I believe, Saturday, a part of the Nerdist podcast. So he will be talking live at Comic-Con. So this is finally, people, whether or not he talks wrestling, whether or not, he talks about what else is going on and, uh, you, know, he's been, you know, what he's been doing these past six months, what his future holds, we'll maybe find out at Comic-Con. So that's the, you know, the CM Punk-related news. But also very interesting, yesterday on The Daily Show, those who are fans of uh, John Stewart. John Stewart, believe it or not, because of this craziness that's going on between with Russia and uh, those, those planes that were shot down by the missiles in the Ukraine, John Stewart, believe it or not, he covered was WWE's Lana and Rusev and their match that they had at Battleground against Jack Swagger. And to my surprise, John Stewart actually cut a pretty decent promo on uh, on Lana. It was very interesting. I don't know if you guys will get a chance to uh, to see it or hear it, but it was a lot of fun.
6: Sure, maybe Jack Swagger last night, but that was a countout. It wasn't even a real pin. And Swagger's has been game anyway. And with this tag team, partner, Antonio Tonyo, <laughs> turned on him and abandoned the real Americans to go solo as the king of swing. But Cesaro, wait until SummerSlam, because Jack is...
5: Well, I don't know if you heard any of that, but John Stewart basically, you know, having a little fun. A lot of fans know that he's a wrestling fan. He has appeared at a few WWE events in the last few years. He's brought his kids. He's actually had Mick Foley, a part of The Daily Show, occasionally. So it was pretty funny to hear John Stewart go off on Lana and Rusev and talking about Jack Swagger and the real Americans, and even brought up Antonio Cesaro, who used to be a real American. And he basically, he pretty much set up the SummerSlam match before the WWE
3: even did, and he did a pretty good job. Absolutely, and uh, also, of course, the big news, Brock Lesnar returned.
8: Dominic, what did you think?
6: Well, I had a feeling that when Paul Heyman said, Plan three, I had a feeling that was going to mean Brock Lesnar. So Brock Lesnar was back. He made his return on Monday Night Raw last night. And they're all going to do SummerSlam, him and John Cena.
3: Any early prediction?
6: Well, in reality, I think Brock could beat the hell out of John Cena. But the first time in my life, I want to see John Cena win this. Of course, Brock don't stick around. Wow. He comes and goes as he pleases. Mm-hmm. So why give him the title if he's going to win and then stay away for another three months?
3: Absolutely. At least right, Cena is JJ out there the
6: every week on Raw, SmackDown. He's, he, he's there every week. Right. So I don't think we on the
3: night days.
7: You know, and if i seeing, uh, you- if I've seen Lesnar every week, i probably get kind of tired of him. I, I, I like that they uh, – I mean, it's like four months, five months going down.
9: Uh, at least you, you
7: get a chance to see something a, a little bit different with uh, Lesnar. I'm glad he's going to be back. And there's a good, excellent shot that he might even take that title from uh, Cena. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, uh, Dominic, but... oh, no, that's all right. That, 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 that's how I, I feel like at, at the present time with all this stuff going down. Uh, you know, he, he defeated the Undertaker. You know, Undertaker may may interfere inside the match. He might come back by SummerSlam. But uh, there's even a, a possibility of Undertaker possibly interjecting in this kind of uh, situation.
3: Yeah, that could be. All right, JJ, you did see Battleground. Uh, I didn't get too many positive reviews. I did get wow. the matches A few matches were good. What did you Hello. like at that pay-per-view?
5: Well, actually, as you were just speaking about John Cena, here's a little secret that a lot of people don't know about the uh, SummerSlam is John Cena is signed on to appear in a new, a Judd Apatow film starring... Uh, Amy Schumer called trainwreck. So Cena will be taking time off. I don't know if it'll happen, you know, after Summerslam, but it's something that will happen as he will be a part of Judd Apatow's new uh, comedy. So it's very possible Thanks. with Go Cena. Ahead. It's up in the air. But as far as battleground goes, you're absolutely right. In fact, Keen, I think I even tried to send you a picture. For the first time, I was watching the pay per view yes. on on my television. Through the WWE Network, I was hooked it up to my PlayStation 3. I had the WWE Network running pretty smoothly on my television. I still even had my iPad out, and I had both running simultaneously. And uh, believe it or not, I think the PlayStation might have been off about a second or two compared to the iPad. But uh, other than that, it was a pretty good experience. I enjoyed watching it on television. As you said, they kicked off the pay-per-view with the Usos and the Wyatt family members, Harper and Rowan, in a two-out-of-three falls match, which was phenomenal. These guys stole the show before it even started. I mean, we saw some amazing things in this match, and as Dominic and Blackjack pointed out, there was a very quick uh, pinfall uh, during the, the second pinfall of the match. It was very quick. It happened maybe about five minutes after the first pinfall but uh, excellent showing by the Usos and the Wyatt. I mean, we saw double super kicks. We saw the Usos climb one turnbuckle, two Usos on the same turnbuckle, and they both delivered a body splash. I believe on Luke Harper. It was just a very physical, great match. These guys. I hate to see this match end. I hope that. Uh, I wish it would have been a best of seven series. These guys were so good. Two out of three falls. That match could have went on all night for all I cared. It was so good. But uh, the Usos retained the tag titles, and I felt bad for anyone that had to follow them. And uh, following them was, believe it or not, the Divas. Paige and AJ Lee, the frenemies uh, going up against each other. You could see in the match that uh, the chemistry was a little bit off. I mean, AJ has been out of the picture for a while. They don't really know each other too well in the ring. But you could tell these girls, they actually had a pretty ample amount of time to put together, you know, a pretty decent match. They had a lot of opportunities. They were trying to do some really cool things. But uh, the chemistry just wasn't there that night. But that would change uh, later on Monday Night Raw. But uh, AJ retained the Divas Championship. But I'm expecting them to have another get-go at it at SummerSlam. So we'll see if that happens. Rusev versus Jack Swagger, again, Jack Swagger is so over right now. It just continues to amaze me. It's not just a certain arena or a certain town. It's every week you see the fans cheering Jack Swagger, Zed Coulter, the real Americans, and getting behind them and really turning against Rusev again, especially with what's been going on in current events. I mean, right now there's a lot of talk of whether or not I mean, WWE should just drop uh, Lana and Rusev altogether as the situation with Russia and the Ukraine and that civilian plane that was shot down is becoming very serious. And to have Lana and Rusev yeah. there and they're, you know, parading Putin, you know, on the Titan Tron like he's some savior, I mean, this is a very heated you know, situation going on right now. But the fans were into the match. They were behind Swagger. With Let's go, Swagger! Chance, we the people! Chance, USA! Chance, and uh, it eventually came to a pretty, a really solid match. I thought it was a good match, but uh, it came to a point where Jack Swagger was trying to apply the ankle lock on Rusev outside of the ring, and Rusev kind of pulled Swagger in, and Swagger went headfirst into the turn post, and he got counted out. So Rusev won by countout. But it was a pretty decent match, and like I said, the fans' response to Jack Swagger was uh, amazing. I mean, if you listen to that uh, Daily Show clip with Jon Stewart, he did a hell of a job promoting the SummerSlam match. I don't know if that match is going to happen, but I would love to see Jack Swagger get another shot at Rusev and end his undefeated streak. Next up, the fans were kind of pissed off. Twitter basically exploded like it usually does. They felt robbed of a match between Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. They were scheduled to have a nice one-on-one match, but uh, backstage, Seth Rollins was being interviewed by, I believe, Renee Young, and Dean Ambrose just kind of sneak up, attacked, and took out Rollins backstage. Triple H threw a hissy fit and threw Ambrose out of the arena. So Seth Rollins would come down ringside and announce that he should be the winner of the match by forfeit, Ambrose is unable to compete because he was thrown out of the building. So the announcer, Justin Roberts, says that Rollins wins via a, for- a forfeit. And about this time, who comes out? None other than Dean Ambrose, the lunatic fringe, running from the right out of the crowd, attacking Rollins, having a nice brawl. Technically, the match ended, and Rollins won. So this is all kind of post-match, believe it or not. This isn't the actual match. Triple H comes out yet again with his security and agents, Fit Finley, Jamie Noble, uh, Bill DeMont, and they escort Ambrose out of the building yet again. And yet we see Rollins, who's basically scared because Ambrose has been trailing him throughout the entire night. Rollins just says, you know what, the hell with this. I'm going in my car, back to the hotel. I'm done with tonight and this whole pay-per-view. So Ambrose has security escort him to his car. He looks around the parking lot, assuming that Ambrose will come out of nowhere and sneak attack him. He doesn't see Ambrose. The security guards go away. And just as Seth Rollins enters his car, here comes Dean Ambrose out of Seth Rollins' trunk. He was hiding inside the trunk all along. He broke out of the trunk, attacks Rollins yet again, and Rollins made an escape out of the parking lot. So that was that match. Fans were pissed off. They wanted to see these two guys go at it, and they would robbed. Rob. Hopefully we'll see them go at it at SummerSlam. But uh, next up, Bray Wyatt, Chris Jericho, another match fans thought might steal the show. I don't know if they stole the show, though. A lot of people were assuming, including us, we all made predictions that Bray Wyatt would just run right through Chris Jericho, and that didn't yes. happen. Chris Jericho shocked everyone. In fact, I was just reading reports that Vince McMahon, much like the situation with The Undertaker and Lesnar and Vince changed his mind at the last second. Vince changed his mind again at the last second. He decided that Chris Jericho should get the win because a lot of people automatically assumed that Jericho would lose. So in order to have a nice twist of the night, they actually let Jericho beat Bray Wyatt in Jericho's first match back with the company He beat Bray Wyatt. It was a pretty solid match, hard-hitting match. You know, the fans, believe are more for Jericho, which is kind of different with the whole situation between Wyatt and Cena. The fans were really embracing Wyatt. They were really bringing the hate towards Cena. But in this case, Jericho's the fan favorite. The people aren't singing along with Bray Wyatt anymore. They're behind Y2J. So it was actually nice to see Jericho get the win The Wyatts, uh, Harper, and Rowan were actually thrown out of the match for interfering. The referee saw Harper interfering in the match, grabbing Jericho, and he threw him out. So Bray was all alone by himself, and he couldn't get the job done against the six-time world champion and first-ever undisputed champion Chris Jericho. But again... I see these guys having another match that should be just as physical as SummerSlam. We kind of saw the storylines develop on Raw the next night. But next up on the card, we have, of course, the Battle Royal for the vacant Intercontinental Championship. Wade Barrett came out and announced, of course, that he's got some bad news about whoever wins the title, and it's just a matter of time before he comes back and reclaims the title. But again, the Battle Royal are pretty amazing in WWE because there's one guy that always stands out each and every time you see one of these, and that's Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston was on the ring apron. He got knocked off the apron by Cesaro. Biggie Langston, who was just eliminated, catches Kofi Kingston on his shoulders and puts him back. He walks him towards the ring. Cesaro catches uh, Kofi Kingston, and he suplexes Kofi off of Big E Langston's shoulders, who, mind you, is outside the ring on the floor. Cesaro suplexed Kofi off of Langston's shoulders back into the ring. I mean, Cesaro's feat of strength is really unbelievable. Also revealed last night uh, or at the pay-per-view was that Cesaro is no longer a Paul Heyman guy. He's on his own. He's not being represented by Paul Heyman. He, even on Monday Night Raw, if you saw, he actually was pitching the Triple H that he wanted to be an authority guy. But uh, as I mentioned, Cesaro not affiliated with Paul Heyman. The winner of the Intercontinental Battle Royal was, believe it or not, The Miz. And that's only because it came down to the final two men, the United States champion Sheamus and Dolph Ziggler. The place was going nuts for Ziggler. They wanted Dolph Ziggler to win, and he eliminated Sheamus. And he thought he won the match because there was nobody else in the ring. But sure enough, Miz, doing what he does best, he was hiding outside the ring, but he went underneath the bottom rope, so he was never technically eliminated from the Battle Royal. He snuck up on Ziggler and threw him over the top rope, becoming the new Intercontinental Champion. And I don't think anyone could have predicted Miz winning this. My pick was Sheamus. I wanted to see them unify the titles. I hope maybe they still do that again at SummerSlam. Sheamus, Miz, unify the titles, but who knows. But uh, it was very disappointing. A lot of fans were pissed off. I even heard reports from people who went to Battleground. You didn't see this on television because during television they were showing the replay of uh, the match and all the moments with Kofi and so on. But I heard people say that they were actually throwing their garbage at the Miz. That wasn't seen on camera, but supposedly it did happen uh, live on the pay-per-view for the people who were at the arena. So, the uh, fans not happy with Miz being the Intercontinental Champion. Of course, last but not least, the fatal four-way for the World Heavyweight Championship, Randy Orton came, Roman Reigns going after John Cena's World Heavyweight Championship. The 15-time champion John Cena retains the title in a very hard-fought battle. These guys put on a really great show. The fans were just at the edge of their seats, believe it or not. I know the fact that Cena won has a lot of people upset, and the funny thing is people will say that the pay-per-view was horrible because Cena won, Miz won, but the fact of the matter is the actual match, the match itself for 30 straight minutes, these guys put on a great contest, and they were times in the match where Roman Reigns was spearing guys left and right, and a lot of people thought he was going to become
4: the new world
5: heavyweight champion. I mean, they had a nice back and forth, lots of finishing moves here and there. You didn't know who was going to walk out as champion. We obviously assumed Cena would, but it was still a very exciting match. Cena won, retained his title, and as you pointed out at the start of the show, Brock Lesnar made his return on Monday Night Raw and it is official. WWE is going with option C, and that is Brock Lesnar, John Cena at SummerSlam.
3: Yes. So that was battleground. And uh, what do you give it? How many stars?
4: Well, I would, give it maybe, uh, I would give it
7: maybe.
4: I would
5: give it maybe three stars. I think it was an average pay-per-view. I think it was good. It wasn't bad by any means. A lot of people, again, they just think of, you know, the outcomes of the match. Miz winning, Cena winning. Thinking, oh, God, Rusev won. This is just awful, but it wasn't awful. We, there were some really solid wrestling, some good matches. The Usos alone stole the show. They were worth the price of admission, especially for nine ninety nine if you're a WWE Network subscriber. You know, the the Wyatt, uh, Bray Wyatt and Jericho was a good first outing. Swagger had a great uh, fan response. AJ Lee and Paige, that was, you know, probably the weakest match on the card, but it wasn't horrible compared to other D.Va matches in the past. But uh, the Battle Royal had its moments. Uh, like unfortunately, Miz won, but people forget the amazing things that happened during the Battle Royal. And, again, like I said, the Fatal 4-Way, you know, a lot of people upset. They think it sucks that Cena continues to win. Again, another pay-per-view. Cena walked out as champion. But these guys put on a hell of a battle for a fatal four-way. It was very exciting. It was a, Like I said, it was a pretty good show. I think the WWE has been on a roll lately for pay-per-views ever since WrestleMania 30. It was a pretty decent show. Following that with extreme rules, payback, money in the bank, now Battleground. If you remember last year, My God, Battleground was one of the worst pay-per-views of the year. I thought they should be done with that. I don't ever want to see that pay-per-view again, but this time they really made up for it. This year's Battleground was, you know, leaps and bounds a lot better than last year.
3: No question. Okay, a lot of people don't know that Pantino Morello retired. Uh, He did retire at a house show of all places. Let's take a listen to some of the highlights of the great Santino, and then we'll talk about Santino's career after this clip.
2: Speaking of major events at house shows in WWE, earlier in the week, Santino Morella, he made the announcement, it was actually a week ago, it was last Sunday at the uh, live event in Toronto, which is where he lives, uh, that he has retired as an active wrestler. He cited his history of neck problems, including I guess there's a new uh, issue with his neck that just creeped up on him. Uh, as the reason why he was hanging it up. I just made the comment on last week's podcast that Santino may not have much time left, and the very next day he announces his retirement. So this was not a big surprise because it was already being murmured about. Uh, He recently opened up his own school in Toronto called the Battle Arts Academy for Wrestling and MMA Training. He did say he would be staying on with the company in a different capacity, whether that means as a GM or not, I don't know. I hope to God that's not the case. You know, as long as the authority is around, there is no need for a general manager. So I'm sure they could find a different role for him, maybe as an ambassador and do charity stuff. And I'm sure we have not seen the last of Santino on television. He'll pop up to do comedy cameos, kind of like uh, Ron Simmons does. They'll trot him out there every now and then to say, damn, and then he'll disappear for six months. Um, but just to look back on Santino's career, if uh, if this is it, for him you know he signed a developmental deal with wwe back in 05 and i've talked about i answered a question not too long ago on this podcast about the jim Cornette incident in uh, i think it was ohio valley when Morello was there as one of the new students sitting in the audience they were trying to get this boogeyman character over as this terrifying monster and instead there's Morello sitting in the crowd laughing trying to hold in his laughter and Cornette just snapped And backstage afterwards, he started smacking him around. And and that really led to Cornette's dismissal from WWE. And he hasn't been back since. So that was a a famous or infamous incident, I should probably say. He made his debut on television in 07. Uh, Raw was in Milan, Italy. They had one of their rare international shows. And they decided to debut him as a local fan coming out of the crowd. And he wrestled Umaga for the Intercontinental title. Ended up winning the championship with an assist from Bobby Lashley uh hence his nickname the Milan Miracle that's where it came from he would go on to hold the US title he was a tag team champion as well he became one of the most popular successful comedy characters in the history of that company you know he did things he did he did a lot of fun things especially early on in his run it, it kind of i mean i think his act kind of got old towards the end he could still be very funny you know he was still good for comedy relief Every now and then. But I just kind of get tired of Zach. more recently. He, he did things like the Honka Meter back when he was the Intercontinental Champion. He would keep track of his time as the champion. He was trying to break Honky Tonk Man's streak, uh, which still stands, by the way. I think it's like 15 months as the uh, the Intercontinental Champion. He did the Glamorella pairing with Beth Phoenix. Uh, dress up as a woman named Santina cool. to win Miss WrestleMania. Still holds the record for fastest elimination in a Royal Rumble, 1.9 seconds. Uh, The Cobra gimmick, which he popularized, the Cobra sock puppet deal, was very popular uh, at first. Then I just think it got way out of control. That stupid shit they did with 3MB and the Great Khali and the Snake Charming stuff. Remember that? Just horrendous. Horrendous stuff. And when they paired Santino off with Emma and gave her a pink Cobra, it just felt like a death sentence for the girl. Her not being with Santino anymore is a blessing. I know she has her other issues with what happened last week with the arrest and everything. Hopefully that's not held against her and that's behind her. Uh, and her not being with Santino will force them to come up with something better. I mean, I know the pairing with Santino got her TV time. Okay, She hasn't been on television in weeks without him. So you could say, well... The pairing with Santino was good for her because it actually got her on television. That's true, but now I'm hoping that this forces them to come up with something better for her to get her on television, you know? You can get TV time doing the stupidest shit in the world, but at what cost? You know, what damage is it doing to your career? I'd rather she be off TV until they actually find something productive for her to do, although I don't know, again, how the whole shoplifting stuff may affect that going forward. I guess we'll see. Uh, how long it takes for her to get back on TV and if she's doing jobs or if they actually come up with a program for her. Uh, my favorite Santino memory, if I had to pick one easily, was the Tea Time with Santino segment they did with him and Seamus and Kozlov on Raw from the UK. Uh, I want to say that was back in 2010. It was either three or four years ago. Uh, that right there is an example of comedy downright. right in WWE, and and I think Sheamus at one point was kind of corpseing on camera, trying so hard not to laugh. Even he found it funny. Uh, you could find that segment, I'm sure, on YouTube. It was it was great, and it was probably my favorite thing that Santino has been involved in. Uh, there was you know a little period, those first couple of months in 2011, and that was the year they did the one the one and only 40 man Royal Rumble. Uh, Del Rio won that year. Think about that, Alberto Del Rio winning the Royal Rumble. The thought now of that is is just comical. But Santino was the last guy in that Rumble match with Del Rio. And you would think, oh, that sucks. You know, Santino's a jobber. What a way to build drama. But he was so over. Like, people loved him so much as as that underdog, undercard character. Kind of like what Eric Young was for many years in TNA. Uh, that they wanted so desperately for him to win that Royal Rumble. There was no thought given to the fact that the winner of this match is going to go on to headline WrestleMania, and that could, in fact, be Santino Morella. People just wanted to see him win. It was actually one of the better Rumble finishes they've ever done, especially in terms of how loud the crowd was for it, because I think Santino was kind of forgotten about, and Del Rio threw somebody out. They thought he won, but then in the background, you see Santino, and he's putting the Cobra thing on, and it's like, holy shit, I forgot he was even in the match. And you thought for a split second he might win. Of course he didn't, but you thought he might. Uh, And that was cool. And the following month, he actually ended up in one of the Elimination Chamber matches for the World Heavyweight title. He won a battle royal to earn a spot in the chamber match. Randy Orton was out with a concussion. They had a spot that needed to be filled, so they had this battle royal. He won. He went to the match. And if I remember correctly, I think he was much like the Rumble with Del Rio. He was the last guy in there. With Daniel Bryan, who was the world champion at the time And people were going nuts I remember the crowd heat for the end of that chamber match Was off the charts It's fucking Daniel Bryan back when he was You know, nobody And Santino Morella And the people are going nuts Like it's the main event of Wrestlemania And they were hoping he might win And then he got locked in the S-lock uh, Or the LaBelle lock It might have still been called at the time And he tapped out But that, that was probably the most high profile period For him in his entire career you know, he was, you know, in the Rumble match at the very end. He was in a chamber match on pay-per-view, getting a pay-per-view payoff, wrestling for the world title. Uh, I don't think he ever quite got back up to that level. But, hey, when they put him in there, he delivered, and the people were into it, and, and you, you got to give him that. So, to me, those two matches, the Tea time segment on Raw, those are my, my most memorable memories of, uh, of Santino Morella. And, you know, all the best to him. Hopefully he gets his neck fixed. It's it's not fun having neck problems. A lot of guys, Edge, you know, have had their careers end because of their neck. I don't know if the surgery he needs is major uh, spinal fusion surgery or if it's, uh, you know, maybe not so serious. That, I don't know. Uh, And I hope they keep him around, again, for cameos every now and then. I don't need to see him as the GM or I don't need to see him on television every week. Uh, But I think when, when he looks back on his career, and I'm sure he is, He's got nothing to be ashamed of. He had a hell of a run for a guy in his position, an undercard comedy guy to have, what, seven years, eight years on the main roster, you know, and and a lot of times doing stuff that, you know, was pretty important or people were into. Not too many people can say that. So I think when you really look back on it, he had a pretty good run.
3: All right, Dominic, I want to go to you first on this. What's your thoughts of uh, Santino Morella's memories and whatnot? Well,
6: I was always a big Santino fan. Uh, The Milan Miracle, I heard they did that to throw him a bone, so to speak, so that he wouldn't sue the WWE and Jimmy Cornette because Jim Cornette smacked him around, and that's what he was ready to do. So I think they gave him the IC title just to keep him happy. And uh, Santino was a funny guy. You know, he could wrestle. If he was taken as a serious wrestler, he could have been way up there as a serious guy. But he was only used as a WWE comic relief. And now with him gone, look what they're doing to Damian Sandow. A lot of times they made a jerk out of Santino. Like that clip said. Giving him uh, Emma with the pink cobra and making him dress as Santina, his twin sister... It's a lot of corny shit. To me, some of it was funny, but you got to draw the line between when it becomes funny and it becomes annoyingly stupid. Like he'd come out and you'd say, "All right, what are they going to make this poor bastard do tonight?"
3: It's true. He uh, a lot of comedy and not, not a, a lot of wrestling uh, towards the end, at least. Nope. All right, JJ, uh, your memories of. Uh,
5: yeah, I mean, uh, much like uh, Dominic said, I think there's a fine line of when comedy works and when comedy doesn't work. I think uh, I just read something that Nigel McGu- McGinnis, uh you know, pointed out that wrestling, you know, it's not an exact science. You know, you have room for your silliness you have room for your comedy your hardcore your violence your realism your spectacle your acrobatics your athleticism your drama chain mat wrestling there's room for all that but it's hard to find a way so that it all fits and it works smoothly and perfectly sometimes you're going to get stuff that doesn't work and lots of times with comedy it's really up to what you know what you perceive to be funny what's your taste in comedy, what you find funny may not be what's funny to me, and that's the, the line you have to draw here. Especially in the PG era, there's kids watching. You know, do the kids think this is funny? Are they laughing? Are they having a good time? Are the adults laughing? Do the adults think this is ridiculous and stupid? I mean, it's a fine line between what works and what doesn't, especially depending what your age group is. But Santino, I think, will be remembered as an entertainer. He was a funny guy when he. Given you know certain tasks, Santina Marella, not one of my favorites—it uh, was uh, very disrespectful to the the women. The women, I think it was WrestleMania 25, and they did that Diva Battle Royal. They brought back some of the other divas, and like uh, Stunny, and I don't know, some other ones came back for that uh, particular Battle Royal. And uh, here's Santino dressed up like his sister, and then he's the one who wins, and now Santino Marella is, you know, Miss WrestleMania. It's one of those head-scratchers, like, I can't believe they did this. And yet, I looked at some of my favorite times with Santino, and that's when he pointed out in 2011, 2011, the Royal Rumble, the first-ever 40-man Royal Rumble. Alberto De Rio is one of the last men in the ring. It came down to him and Santino Marella, of all people, and the winner of this match is going to headline WrestleMania. Santino Morella headlining WrestleMania? Are you kidding me? And yet the fans were so into it. They didn't want Del Rio to win. They were behind Santino. He was so over at that particular time, they included him in the main event for the World Heavyweight Championship at the Elimination Chamber. He went one-on-one, and he became one of the final two men going up against the the world heavyweight champion at the time, Daniel Bryan, who at the time there was no sort of yes movement. It didn't happen yet. And the fans weren't really behind him. They were annoyed by Daniel Bryan. They hated when Daniel Bryan would come down the aisle and screaming yes, and he was so happy and giddy to be a world champion in WWE. They hated him. They hated him so much. And when Santino Morello was one of the last men in the ring, they were cheering for him to beat Daniel Bryan and to become world champion and to go into WrestleMania as a world champion. I mean, that's amazing to me. I know the difference between where Santino was just a comedy, was a joke, he wasn't taken serious, and yet he had those two opportunities in his career in WWE where he was main eventing. and. He was main eventing, you know, something that you know could be a world championship, something that could be a, a main event at WrestleMania. So I think without a doubt, those moments, even though he didn't win, there's something that we'll all remember. And uh, another one of my favorite times with Santino was with Beth Phoenix, you know, Glamarella. You know, he was the Intercontinental Champion. Beth was the either the Women's or Divas Champion. They had a very
4: yeah, Santino easy, was very
3: funny. I remember. Uh, he was at Madison Square Garden, and he said, you people rule for the Giants. The Giants don't even play. Oh. I thought back in 08 when he was in the garden at the Royal Rumble.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. Blackjack,
3: what do you <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Yes, Blackjack, what's your name? Yeah. Yes, Hello?
7: What's your thoughts of uh, santino you' got a uh he's on the injured list he'll be back if he can um uh, if he won't be back physically he'll be back uh as far as entertainment wise um uh, right now you you got a lot of people on that injured list there you know you you got punk you know I'm still looking for that to uh for him to come back and Daniel Bryan and their Bella sister there everything's on the angle list right now they'll, they'll come back once they mend uh, and they'll change up the whole roster that's the way I see it now you know everybody sees things a little bit differently with this wrestling right now i'm i'm looking for things uh, uh to come back i look for that Santino guy to come back and Seamus Uh, he might be back on the injured list. A lot of people figured that he was going to take it. He didn't. He didn't live up to expectations. And uh, usually, uh, you know, everyone don't see the other side uh, of of the injuries, you know. So uh, just like with Cena, he's going to be taking some time off eventually. He's going to have to. He's kind of injured as well. These guys are putting in a hell of a reform, performance with this network stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's going down with that. You need uh, uh, Lesnar to come in and uh, give this guy a, a break, and we'll, we'll see how things go with that.
3: Absolutely. Okay, next step on the docket is, will The Undertaker and Lesnar be here for a rematch? Let's take a look to this clip and debate on the other side.
2: James from Staten Island, New York, wants to talk about The Undertaker's present state and dwindling future. He says, if Undertaker does not come back for another match, he should be inducted into the Hall of Fame sooner rather than later. I'm sure Rock won't mind waiting another year if that's the case. And if Undertaker does come back, how does he go after anyone other than Brock Lesnar? Brock did break the streak, terrible as it was, And the only way I see Taker being able to wrestle one last match is avenging the loss of his vaunted streak and possibly having a better match victoriously against Brock rather than a throwaway match with Sting who wrestles in a t-shirt. And by defeating Brock after losing a WrestleMania 30, Undertaker will prove, which he really doesn't have to, that he is so much more than the streak to this generation of fans. What would you do? I would not do a rematch between Undertaker and Brock Lesnar, I can tell you that much. Part of it is because their first match was no good. But that's not the main reason. The main reason is you don't have to rematch everybody, you know, like if if a babyface loses a match, it's okay not to rematch them and do the whole even Steven deal. In a way, I kind of like the fact that the Undertaker, you know, lost to Brock. That Brock went over on him. He was the stronger guy. He's younger, he's stronger, he's bigger, he's faster. Physically, right now, today, he's better in every conceivable way than The Undertaker is. The Undertaker, I would say The Undertaker is now starting to show his age. Realistically, he's been showing his age now for a few years. Uh, He looked particularly old this year. And so that's why I think there's at least a chance he has wrestled his last match. I'm with you. Actually, I don't know if you actually believe this or not, but I think Undertaker has not wrestled his last match. If he does come back and they do the match with Sting, fine. I think it's a big attraction. I have no problem with that. Um, or you can put him in the ring with somebody else, but I would not put him in there with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar beat him. Brock Lesnar now is being, I hope, being groomed, even if just for a few months, to be the champion, although I would you know, do it for longer. But again, you have that issue of you can't have a world champion that doesn't defend hardly at all and doesn't defend at any house shows for nine months. You know, Two months, three months, that's one thing. I I was an advocate for keeping the belt on Daniel Bryan when I thought he might be back by or before SummerSlam. Now, of course, who even knows if he's going to come back at all. If Brock wins the title at SummerSlam, and he's got one more match that he's under contract for this year, the following month at Night of Champions, which is why I think I could see him winning it and then dropping it right back to Cena in a rematch the month after, which I think would be a big mistake. But unless you can get him in for more dates, how realistic that is, I don't know. So however they handle it, the point is, champion or no champion, Brock has to be kept practically unbeaten and and kept strong through WrestleMania next year. If the idea is just to come back at WrestleMania next year to have Undertaker get his win back, I'm not a fan of that idea. Because I can't buy it, especially after the match they had this year. I, I just don't buy it. And I know Brock is only under contract until WrestleMania 31. It is possible... Whatever match he has at WrestleMania next year could be his last, or he may sign a new deal and extend it for another year or two after that. But he is only under contract until Mania next year. That could be his last match. So whoever Brock wrestles, he should lose. Brock Lesnar should lose, but not until WrestleMania next year. And the person that Brock Lesnar should lose to is a guy like a Roman Reigns. Somebody like that. That's a fresh match we haven't seen before. Reigns is going to be the future of this company. He's another big guy. He's not going to back down from Brock. He's not smaller than Brock. You know, I mean, maybe in some ways he is, but more or less they're about the same size. They're two big dudes that would beat you up. That's the kind of match I think that they should be looking to book for WrestleMania next year, and that's the kind of person that Brock should be losing to. Not the the 50-something-year-old or or 50-year-old maybe at that point, Undertaker, who looks every bit of 75. So, you know, the fact that he lost to Brock doesn't kill his his legacy or or anything like that. I I don't see why he has to come back and get that win back. He has to avenge that win. Brock broke the streak. He should bow his head in respect, shake the guy's hand, and if he's going to come back for another match, it should be a special attraction. And maybe it's against Sting. Maybe it's against another big star. But I would not book him against Brock Lesnar. I have no interest in seeing that rematch.
3: <laughs> okay, I want to go to Dominic first on this. Dominic, uh, what do you think of what you just heard?
6: I like what I just heard. I wouldn't book Undertaker and, Sting, uh, Undertaker and Brock Lesnar again. How are they going to top the match that they had last time? And the streak is broken. It absolutely means nothing. Even if Undertaker was supposed would win and beat Brock and say all right I beat you in the rematch that don't change the streak any the streak is still broken so move on and i like it that it would be roman reigns against brock if it's brock's last match let him let him lose to one of the new young guys like roman reigns that's that's a great pick i would go yeah. with that i would go with roman reigns to wrestle brock and and beat brock but to do Undertaker <laughs> all over again, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it because they can't match what they did in the first match they had with with the streak intact. I don't want to see the streak get broken at all, let alone right. by Brock Lesnar, who's not even around all the time. They should have made, if they wanted to break the streak, they should have did it with somebody who's around constantly. Brock Lesnar the, the streak. He's around all the time.
3: At the time, sure, Michaels could have been broke, broke the streak. A lot of them guys, guy's have, any,
6: any of them guys, if they wanted it. But I think the Undertaker should have retired with the streak intact. He's got nothing to prove.
3: Exactly. JJ, what's your take?
5: Well, I think uh, much like uh, Dominic said, I don't want to see a rematch between Undertaker and Lesnar, the match they had this year. I mean, forget the fact about Brock you know, ending the streak. The match itself was not pretty. And Taker's been one of those guys of the last maybe five, several years, who's basically stolen the show at every WrestleMania with Shawn Michaels, with Triple H, with CM Punk. These guys stole you know, the show at WrestleMania, the biggest spectacle of the year, you have all these title matches and yet Undertaker's undefeated streak was a match everybody was talking about every year. He put on a hell of a performance and this year you know I hate to say it but, you know, his age is creeping in. You know, you look at a guy like Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is forty nine years old right now. Taker's forty nine years old right now, but they're two completely different individuals. I mean, you know, He didn't age gracefully. I hate to say it. It sounds awful to say it's mean, but you you look at Taker. Taker didn't look right this year, and Vince McMahon saw that, and Vince McMahon made the decision that Taker was going to lose. And Taker always said, even years ago, when Brock was still in the UFC, I want the streak to end to Lesnar. And this year they finally made it happen. And, you know, it's unfortunate. A lot of fans pissed off. I'm fine by the streak ending. Taker, you know, he he did he had an amazing career. He had amazing matches at WrestleMania. But the streak, like all good things, I think Blackjack has said many times, everything comes to an end. But this Lesnar-Taker rematch, I don't want to see it. You'll never recreate that moment when the streak ended. And as Dominic pointed out, for what? Taker's going to get the win? And so what? The streak's still over. It's not like the streak is just going to continue all over again. No, it's over, and that's it's done with. You know, if Taker can have one more match, everybody wants Taker-Sting. Sting has said before that he has at least one more match in him. I think a lot of fans were hoping that if Sting could have been the one to end the streak, that would have made more sense. They could have had Sting end the streak and then possibly have another match the following year. But the way it seems, Sting just wants one more match, and I think he's done. So I think this is a chance for Taker to get a victory at WrestleMania and to go out on top, although I'd hate to see Sting lose his first match going into the WWE, and especially if that's his last match. I mean, who knows what Sting's plans are in the future. We still don't even technically have him, you know, contract signed by him now. But the fact is with Undertaker, he, he's even said it before, He doesn't really consider himself retired. He hasn't ruled out that, you know, he's finished or if he'll wrestle again. It's not 100%, but the fact is the guy's in bad shape.
4: Those injuries, wrestling
5: for almost 30 years, I mean, it's catching up to him. And the guy's not getting any younger. I think he feels like maybe that was his last match, but depending how time goes, how he heals his injuries, like Blackjack said, How he's feeling next year and how he's feeling right now could be completely different. But as of right now, I don't think Taker's coming back. I think maybe we saw the last of the Undertaker.
3: Okay, uh, Blackjack, what do you think?
7: Um, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. (laughs) (laughs) There's uh, There's an excellent... There's an excellent possibility of that match going down. You had Rock versus Cena. How many times did that go down uh, between Rock and Cena? There was a rematch. I see a rematch between Lesnar and uh, Undertaker. I don't see how there couldn't be. But the big picture here is who's going to uh, be the main event? by Wrestlemania time um by Wrestlemania time everyone keeps forgetting about The Rock at this point in time The Rock's gonna come in and step in at some point and um this will settle everything for for the moment but uh, don't forget about The Rock uh
3: love to see The Rock um Got a, got a rare treat hero, so uh, Daniel Bryant was a guest on the Stone Cold Show, and he said some interesting things. So let's take a listen, debate on the now, other have side. Have you uh,
9: relocated to
10: Vegas? Well, I did. I was living in Vegas. I lived in Vegas for uh, from 2009 until um, last year when Bree and I moved in together, so, uh, so I was living there for three or four years.
9: So now you're back where?
10: Now I'm in Phoenix.
9: Okay. How are you liking Phoenix. Uh, it is hot, <laughs> but Vegas was Vegas
10: was also hot. Vegas it's, hot. Uh, yeah, and um, but it's not, because really we're home so infrequently. What's most important to me is that I have stuff around me that I like, and that I have a decent airport. And the Phoenix airport is great. You get a lot of direct flights. A lot of direct flights. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so that's so that's great.
9: So how are you? Uh, I read that you incorporate a lot of jujitsu training into your off off season. So I figured, well, you being in Vegas, that was a natural hookup there with a lot of the MMA fighters based out of their are you doing jiu-jitsu training in Phoenix now? Uh, you know what, I've gone a couple times. So um, uh,
10: in, in Vegas it was great because I would train at Randy Couture's gym, and my grappling coach uh, is a guy named Neil Melanson, who was uh, Randy Couture's uh, head grappling coach for his last several fights and uh, just an awesome, awesome grappling coach. He trained under Gene LaBelle and, um, and just really, really good, like one of probably one of the best grappling coaches in the country. Um, and then when I moved to Phoenix, a couple times I've gone to MMA lab, which is where Benson Henderson trained, yep. but our schedule is such now with like getting that day and a half off every week, you know, you just, your body just needs to recover. And sometimes I, I you know, I, I went in and I went in for two days straight and then I came back and then went right onto the road and I was like, that was a horrible idea. Like that was a
9: really,
8: <laughs> really,
10: really stupid idea. So.
9: But a lot so, of those yeah. guys a lot of the MMA guys are fans of pro wrestling so you've certainly had to cross paths with a lot of these guys who respect the knowledge that you have inside the squared circle of sports entertainment
10: yeah and it's just fascinating when you meet some of them who are who are wrestling fans and then uh... and then you know and then then they're like oh so when i went to the mma lab uh... i actually met benson henderson on one of the days he was there training and i don't think he's a wrestling fan but a couple of the guys that were there were and so like uh... it was just kind of neat for them to be like whoa daniel bryan that's so cool. And then, like, I was sitting there without saying anything. I was like, whoa. Benson Henderson, that's so cool, like, you know, uh, but, uh, but yeah, there's, it's interesting because my grappling coach, Neil Melanson, he, he used to love pro wrestling, and now that he's, he's, he's kind of taken a step back from it as far as he doesn't watch it as much as he he used to because he's so busy training guys and that sort of thing, but, uh, but like a lot of those guys really respect wrestling and and have, you know, and some of them, you know, guys like Frank Trigg and Josh Barnett and stuff like that have actually had experience doing, um, like, Japanese pro wrestling over there, and so so it's interesting just the, the style mesh and the respect that those guys have for pro wrestling.
9: Brian, I've got to ask you. You know, you're, you're what? You're 32, 33 right now.
10: 32.
9: You're 32 years old. You've got what? 13, 14 years in the business already.
10: Well, 14 years. 14
9: yeah. years, as I used to kid my buddy Brian Knobs, the young old guy. You know, really? a guy with a lot of experience in a young body. You've had some injuries. I, I read you tore some ligaments in your shoulder and ring of honor, also some chest injuries. Uh what other you had any major injuries? Was the detached retina a shoot or work?
10: Yeah, the detached retina was, was legit. And that was probably see, and I consider myself very fortunate because the shoulder stuff never required surgery. The only time I've ever had to take off from wrestling was uh was three months in um I had torn my shoulder and then uh was but I was the Ring of Honor champion at the time. So it kept wrestling on it until December of that year, took three months off and then was you know, and doing physical therapy stuff. And then the 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 detached retina I should have taken more time off. My vision is still not good in my left eye, but I came back three weeks later because realistically, if you don't work, you don't get paid. Like any other job, if you don't work, you don't get paid. So, hey,
9: man, uh, it's nice to hear somebody say that because, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, and sometimes you, you have a tendency to come back from an injury too, too soon, uh, and may, maybe as you did with the retina, but, I mean, that's the mentality that I always like to hear. Too many people, you know, want to back up to that paycheck, but it's all about going out there and, and earning what you get. With your busy schedule, with your fiancé, your your travels around the world, uh, your training, uh, do you have any hobbies? What do you do do to relax Uh. and kick back?
10: Well, I, I'm a, I'm a I'm an avid reader. I've started to learn about. So I like to work with my hands, and I like uh, I like gardening, and I like all that kind of stuff. I've uh, I've started to get really into cob building, which is um, building with the earth, like uh, building like sustainable, natural building, and um, ecological farming, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, <laughs> so it's it's the, it's it's some it's some weird stuff, and you kind of. have to not a little bit
9: to see some more yeah. in tune with uh you know looking at some stuff into the the, the future of our world so uh, i think yeah. that's very interesting uh, what kind of stuff do you like to read
10: so uh I just finished reading a book called Here on Earth by Tim Flannery which is uh he's a biologist who's talking about the the upcoming problems that we face as as a planet and as a population and um just talking about uh, so it's talking a little bit about overpopulation you know there's 7 billion people on the planet and uh and that's not sustainable especially given the way we currently live and how um and all that kind of stuff but then talking about solutions as far as what people can do and um, change, and one of the big things that we have to do is change people's idea of what is a good life you know like the idea of the big houses and the big cars and all that kind of stuff is simply not sustainable and um, just talking about a lot of that kind of stuff and then the history of like <laughs> you, know, you know weird not weird stuff but like talking about the history of the theory of evolution and how like Charles Darwin came up and people have coined the phrase survival of the fittest and that phrase itself has led to so many atrocities by people who think that like, okay, because I'm wealthier or because I'm this or because I'm that, I'm better than the other people. And that's evolution because it's survival of the fittest. That's what it is. But that's not actually, he didn't use that phrase until after uh, Origin of Species was published. And there was actually on the same day, it was co-published with uh, another theory of evolution by a guy named Alfred Russell Wallace whose idea was, was there were some very similar, but he took a different take on it and it 's not survival of the fittest, but it is survival of the of the things that best uh, fit in with the habitat around them and uh, which to me is much more accurate and we as humans have to look at that as like we have taken this wor- world as This is completely ours. We can destroy as much as as we want of it because this is made for us and that sort of thing. But that's not how this is a whole, this is our habitat if you look at us as as a species. This is our habitat, and we need to, if you lose your habitat, you inevitably have consequences. And um, we're in the process of losing uh, some very important things that that people, the food chain is fascinating. There's no, you don't know what you need to survive right so like we hundreds of species are going extinct all the time and we don't know which of those species because of what we're doing as humans, because of all the things all the forests we're cutting down, because of all the pollution we're putting into the air and into the water and all that kind of stuff, we don't know which line of the food chain is absolutely necessary for our survival. And I'm not somebody who's into some sort of post apocalyptic world, but I also but I do believe that there there is some sort of reckoning that has to that's going to be coming and especially like with the temperature changes and the more storms and it's it's already proven I mean, like there was a lot of stuff about people doubting climate change or, or whether it was human-made and all that kind of stuff. But um,
9: I don't doubt climate change. I think it's getting hotter yeah. than hell. Are you down with that?
10: Yeah. Oh, yeah I, yeah. I, I sure am. And the, the temperatures of the oceans are warming, and that also means that the, te- the sea levels are rising,
9: which has a lot of icebergs melting. To I stuff like that yeah. bothers. Bottom-
10: yeah and so like, but what that means, and uh, we all have to take individual responsibility for this, is we all have to uh, take responsibility for the way that we live because unfortunately we 've reached a point of absolute corruption, which is we can 't rely on the government to solve these problems for us there 's too many vested interests there 's too many uh, like the you know as much as President Obama may want to tackle climate change, he also has is funded by the coal companies
9: so well let's <laughs> Yeah, it. we gotta we gotta shift gears on the Obama thing because that's we won't turn this into a political discussion. Next time I have you back on the show, we can do that. But let's not do yeah. that. I, I would require a whole another two hours of your time, and I know you gotta go. JJ,
3: I want to go to you first. I'm uh, very good. I thought uh, but what your think thoughts of uh, Mr. Daniel Bryant. Well, Daniel Bryan, you know, if you watch
5: Total Divas, you see a different side of Daniel Bryan. And uh, you hear a lot of what he mentioned uh, to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he's one of those guys that he prides himself, that he doesn't have that, you know, lavish, luxury uh, lifestyle Let's say, like, a maybe, I don't know, John Cena, who has a mansion. His mansion has a mansion that's filled with, you know, unbelievable cars, and he has a huge collection of this yeah. and that. He has a pool in his, you know, his backyard that looks like, you know, uh, the damn Do river but, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan's a, kind of a simple guy, steady, homie. You know, he prides himself that he doesn't have a television in his home. He does read. You know, he works with his hands. He cares about the environment and, you know, the earth as he was getting into a big uh, discussion with Austin. But he also talked about MMA and, you know, how he's influenced by MMA, how he's fans of a lot of MMA fighters. And a lot of MMA fighters are fans of wrestling. I mean uh, there's there's a lot of superstars like Undertaker, CM Punk, huge MMA fans and uh you know Dana White, Dana White, you know how many times is Dana White you, you know you see photos of Dana White with uh, the Rock and you know Brock Lesnar and Undertaker and Punk and there's a lot of kind of back and forth between the two uh the two different sports they're all fans I think a lot of people know of uh, Eve Torres She married one of the most famous uh, MMA fighters' family, uh, the Gracies. The Gracies is a huge, uh, if you would think of, you know, wrestling families like, you know, the Rose, uh, the Hearts, and the Von Eriks, you know, the Gracies are one of the the biggest uh, families in MMA. And, you know, she she married into them. Uh, Ronda Rousey, who's a female fighter, one of the first... UFC uh, female fighter, she's, she just blew up on television, she's a part of the Expendables 3 with uh, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, she's really popular right now, she's a huge wrestling fan, she, uh, I know she wanted to be a part of SummerSlam, but I don't think uh, they're going to go for it, but uh, you know, there's a lot of connection between MMA and wrestling, guys are always fans of each other, but uh, one thing that you know, I would love to see, we talked about the WrestleMania and who's going to face The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. I would love to see Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar because that was a match that should have happened this year at SummerSlam, but unfortunately due to Brian's neck injury, Brian won't be going into SummerSlam as champion, so we won't get to see that Brian versus Lesnar. I think you put Daniel Bryan in the ring with Lesnar, and that's a show stealer. That could be a great way for Brian to send Lesnar packing at WrestleMania 31.
3: Dominic, your thoughts on the uh, interview with Daniel Bryan and Steve? Yeah, he seems really like a nice
6: guy, a down-to-earth guy. Um, Of course, he was on air with the legendary Stone Cold Steve Austin. And there is really a UFC bond with professional wrestling. A lot of the wrestlers are fans of UFC, and a lot of the UFC guys are fans of pro wrestling. Um, As far as uh, something J.J. just said, Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar would be freaking extraordinary. That would be unbelievable. And I think he'd be the one to send Brock Lesnar a packet. Exactly right.
3: That would be the ultimate David and Goliath story.
4: Yeah, it would be.
3: <laughs> i tell you. But uh, gardening? <laughs> yeah, of course. That's pretty interesting for Daniel Bryan. And he doesn't have a television? Wow. Well- uh, yeah, I like that one, I believe. Yeah, I think there's some kind of TV back there. This got to How does he, he watch the Yankees? <laughs> right. <laughs> he has his phone there, too, which you could know. He's watched oh, the whole right. world on you. So I'm sure he's using some device. Blackjack, your thoughts on the interview with Steve and Daniel? I
7: thought it was great. You get a chance to see... Uh... Uh, more of the inside of uh, the wrestlers and their take on these injuries. Um, They're not always aware of it 100%. They need to go for this test and that test. And um, as I said before, I got out of it that he'll be back when he's 110% ready to. And he'll be back. Amazing. Daniel Just Daniel, like Daniel, this CM Punk guy, now. he'll be back. The Seamus, The Rock, these people will be back. And the Sting, he'll be 30, back 30, well.
5: wrestling How he is J.J.? 14 years. The guy's only 32 years old, and he already has a pretty you know, legendary career. I mean, he was in the uh, Independence for almost a decade before he came on to the WWE and officially signed with them in you know late 2009, and he came up to the NXT in 2010. But uh, yeah, it's hard to believe a 14-year Uh, Career, Daniel Bryan, as Austin said, he's kind of one of the old guys, despite the fact that he's still a a pretty young guy himself, only 32, but he has that, you know, uh, that that just, you know, that knowledge of wrestling, that experience that
3: just makes him, you know, years, light years ahead of his time. Uh, Most definitely, and uh, he's been through it all. And uh, I, uh, if, if, as Paul Heyman suggested, Punk comes back to the WWE in time. I would like to see a Punk versus the, uh, versus Daniel Bryant match at WrestleMania on the biggest stage of wrestling history. But there's so many scenarios, and uh, that's nor there, nor here, nor there. But uh, the next clip I have is the most ultimate one. You're gonna hear Bret Hart talk to Stone Cold Steve Austin about uh you know, why Brett decided to work with him. a uh, very entertaining listen. Let's take a listen and talk on the other side.
9: What was it that you saw in Steve Austin that you knew you wanted to work with him and give him the rub he needed?
8: You know, uh, without uh you know, going to a big long you know blowing a lot of smoke up uh up your up your ass kind of thing. I mean the truth is, I mean I remember going to Vince in when you were stunning steve and going why is this guy not here you know Vince Vincent go we don't have any original office we don't have anybody for, for you to work with I go, why don't you get steve austin you know because i used to bring your name up a lot and uh... and i used to bring up benoit's name a lot and there's certain guys in wcw that i used to bring up their names and go why don't you bring these guys in because they're, they're, they're free now they're not working for me anymore and uh... vince would always think about it but uh, you never see him bring them in and all of a sudden, one day, there was Steve. And it was like, ah, uh, finally. I, I even told Steve that story when he first said that. I've been asking him to bring <laughs> you in for, since for, for like, a two years now. And, and, you know, I was a big fan of Steve before we got to WWE. And, you know, and I always tell people that tell me, they go, you know, you made Steve Austin and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, that's not true.
9: No, but you were world. a big part of the making process, and, and I'll never forget that. And, and you've got to call a spade a spade. Would I, would I have been okay? without you hmm yeah most likely but that you you can't take that you know you just can't take that component out of my career you were already the hitman you'd already established greatness and you would continue uh, to go down the road that you did you were already a made guy uh feuding with you and you hand picking me uh for that match uh in Madison Square Garden and I remember I told this story with Sean when he first came on the show uh back in the day that we were in Houston, it was at the uh, Houston summit i'd wrestled Sean in about a mid card match, and uh, you had watched the match, and I remember you came up to me afterwards and you said, "Hey man, that was a good match he, and you said i 'll work with you any day and so you were a big part of uh helping make me, and some people sometimes people don't understand the rub process. certain things have to have to happen correctly uh, during some time for, to get people over. Guys don't get over just because they're over. It's a whole process of going through the process. So, working with you was, you know, imperative for my career to, to end up the way it did. And, with the feuds and the storylines, I mean, you, you couldn't have scripted a better story from really start to finish of, of the stuff that we did.
8: I just remember a lot of the, um, like the stuff. You, I think you used you to sometimes... Say the odd comment about my dad, you know, but old man Hardy down in his basement or whatever. You <laughs> say something about him, you know, it would light up my dad so much he'd get a big smile on his face.
4: <laughs> you know,
8: he they, he would love it. And I and I always and I was uh, like we had such um... good promos. consider we were two guys that really um, got along pretty good. But our promos, I think, whenever I watched them, I'd go. I was really in my zone. Like i we had a we seemed to understand each other's characters perfectly. Right. How to Always make each other's characters and keep pushing, pushing. And I, I like when I look back to those days and the promos I was doing with you. I, I think they were, and yours in particular was like you were ahead of your time. There, you're just you were just getting your, uh, just getting familiar with where you were going. And uh, you know, I, I um, yeah, you know, I always tell people, and this is true that. If, once I left WWE, I wasn't really a fan of um, wrestling so much. I didn't. I tried not to watch the show, and that the only guy I watched was was you. And I always always love all the stuff you did. Even with Vince, I would shake my head and go, Yeah, I love it. That's good. Shit. You,
4: know,
8: <laughs> you know, damn. You know, I I I was like the only character that to me that really went back to my childhood of what a wrestling villain. I think it was even a couple of Bugs Bunny cartoons where they had a wrestler that looked a lot like what your gimmick was. You know, the muscle you know, the look, the whole, the whole thing, you just, um, it's just, just, you know, you were always, um, <clears throat> we always had good chemistry together in the ring, too, I, I do remember you working with Sean, uh, all over the place in Texas, in little towns, and I don't even remember the names of them, some of them, but I do remember kind of picking over, like, barn doors and stuff like that to watch you work, and, and coming back and saying, yeah, I want to I work with you sometime, and, um. You know, and then whenever we did work, I think we always, what um, was where really we worked well? I know, um, I think that I, what I did for you a lot of the time was, uh, I think you wouldn't, you know, if it's fair of me to say, I think when you first got to WWE or when you first got to start working with me, you were still a little, um, you kind of go on or, or go out of, you'd spin out of control sometimes. Like you get a little you got going too fast, you get, you end up somewhere, you didn't know where you were yeah. in the match, and I think I was good at kind of teaching you to calm down, relax, it's not the old match isn't screwed up, we'll just go back to this part, now we'll pick it up again, and I think I really taught you how to pace yourself better, and just take your time, and uh, and I I noticed that years later, I was like, yeah, you, you can tell, like, how much you've improved, like from, that, from the time period when you first worked with me in say Survivor Series, even when you worked with me at WrestleMania 13, you know the timing and the, the understanding of how we worked, and you know really just the that was just two guys mostly playing off instincts of each other's characters, and it's like I love how we started it, I love how we how we duked it out all the way through. I always think that is what that's what this whole business is about, is um, what we did in that matches. That's that's the greatest art of pro wrestling that i could think of
9: but you know when i go back and watch stuff and i'm just so hyper critical of anything uh, that i see or do and in picking apart the current product i mean you know i i, I don't mince words it is what it is and i am just passionate about the business i was watching part of that match uh... last night you had uh... hit me in the corner I was hanging from the turnbuckle with both arms. you spun me around, and that was when you started giving me those big haymakers and I kicked you between the I kicked you right in the balls, and you went down. I started using the ropes to pull myself up and the, and the match continued. but when I was thinking watching that last night, I was thinking, "Golly, you could have stayed down another thirty seconds, thirty real seconds I could have is who i'm referring to then started pulling yeah. up those ropes. And we had that crowd right in the palm of our hands. But that was just the greatest natural double down that that could have happened, and it was. And when I look back and nitpick it, I should have stayed down for 30 seconds. That's what I think. You
8: know, I always tell people, like, when I fought Bulldog in Wembley, and it was like I remember going through the whole match with Davey and it's a long story about the match, but I remember at the very end, I told Davy, I said, "Make sure you, when uh, when when, the, when we get up at the end, I said, I'm not going to shake your hand. I'm going to make like I'm a poor sport. I'm going to keep making out. I'm going to leave, but just keep giving me that. Just keep staring at me like, come on, you're my brother-in-law. Yeah, you know, it, come on, you you know, I, I beat you fair and square, and I'm offering my hand. Just keep keep looking at me with the big puppy dog eyes, and I'll just keep getting like I'm going to leave, like fuck you, kind yeah. of thing, and. I told her, I said, we'll have that place. We could have that place. I'll have that 82,000 ready to start crying if we do it right. And, you know, what I remember, it's a little thing, but whenever I watched that match, I go, you can't, I couldn't get David look me in the eye. And every time he did, he turned, he started trying to work the crowd. Yeah. And I kept saying, you idiot. Hey, the drama is with me. Right. With me. Look at me. Don't look at the crowd. Don't look at Diana. Don't. And he kept... And I remember, I finally you see me. I just finally throw my hands up, and I just walk over and I hugged him because it was it was like he didn't get, he forgot, right? Never did get it. And it was like one of those things that I can just tell you when, it, you, know, when you watch that show Bass, As much great as that match is, it's the little details. And uh, you know, another thing that I do remember is when uh, um, you know when you and I worked, and we we always um, always had good chemistry. You know, we always always got along very good in the ring, and uh, you know I don't think that uh, I don't think we ever didn't have good chemistry in the ring. Even uh, on that DVD that just came out, they have me and you working in uh, South Africa. You know if you've seen that back in a while.
9: I haven't seen that. I remember that match. <laughs> I thought it could have been better, but I remember one time, and I did enjoy that match in South Africa. I think I was a little blown up from the travel schedule. But one time we were working in Kuwait, and I think we worked a string of shows together there and you and I were always are you are you laughing, and you might know the story I'm about to tell We're always dead serious in the ring and and for the first few years uh when I was in the business i mean I, I didn't think you could smile I didn't think you you were supposed to have fun, I just thought you were supposed to wrestle, and me in a competitive en- environment, man, I have killer instinct, I'm just out there to compete well, hello. Finally, I learned how to relax a little bit and to loosen up a little bit and have fun out there. And when you're having fun, the people are having a good time. And it doesn't matter how serious the angle is. It's just you being you and in the moment, whether you're heel or babyface. It doesn't mean you have to smile. You're just having fun. And so I was out there playing a little bit of gaga that night. And I was trying to get – who was the referee in that match? I said, I bet I can get Brett to crack. And that's when I started flapping my wings like a chicken. And you barely laughed, and you always used the back of your hand and your hair to cover up your smile. And I almost busted you. Do you remember that?
8: I do remember a match with me. Uh, I do sort of remember that. I, and I remember uh, maybe it was the same week or same day. Was in, I think it was a three-day trip. So um, I remember Owen being in a match with, uh, I'm, and maybe you were in it, maybe you weren't, but I remember was, whoever was in it with me, he, he was all um, hijinks. And, he was pretending to smoke while he had guys in head scissors and <laughs> yeah. he was pulling all his all his shtick out, all his funny little gags where he's taking the funny bumps and he'd call high spots that were impossible to do and I just remember I remember laughing on the apron so hard <laughs> I almost uh was, I think the hardest I've ever laughed in the ring was in, in that match. And uh you know, it's not very often that you can you get a chance to, like you said, to, 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 to laugh every now and then, but, you know, I remember right with Kurt Henning, I always had a spot where he'd call, uh, some kind of a, duck the elbow cross body, and then under the under he'd kick out, and I'd roll under the rope, and we'd go into a big series of high spots after that. But I remember the first time we did it, I dived a little early, and he was a little too far back, and, you know, anyway, <laughs> I ended up kind of hitting him around the shoelaces with a big cross body, and, uh, <laughs> you know we both started laughing and it was like and i think the match turned out to be not not one of our best matches <laughs> yeah. anyway. that was the very first time we worked and we always laughed about doing that spot so that every time we did work we did it like that anyway and we would always kick out he'd kick out and i'd be laughing my head off under the bottom rope and i'd come up and i'd hit him with a tackle and i'd go through these all these high spots where I'd He's bumping and taking arm drags, and I'm coming up and hip-tossing him. And it was a lot of complicated stuff, and I'm laughing all the way through it until I took him over in the headlock, and I'm lying there, panting in the ring, just catching my breath, and we'd both be just laughing our heads off. and uh, You know, it was fun out there sometimes. It wasn't always um, what people think it is. I'll tell
3: you, J.J., that is a classic. Give me your thoughts a of some seven highlights of what you just heard on that Steve Austin show with Bret Hart.
4: Oh,
5: man, that that was just a lot of fun to hear this kind of that insider talk, as Brett was mentioning. You know, lots of times we're focused on the storylines, we're focused on the the feuds, you know, the heat of, you know, the, the, the two wrestlers in the ring, the crowd participation. And we kind of forget that, you know, these guys could kind of cut loose and have fun and just sort of laugh at each other, and yet they can have fun in the ring, and yet the crowd kind of feels it. They may not know exactly what's going on, but they feel just that energy that the two guys have, and they really just feed off of it, and they enjoy the match even more. And uh, a lot of things that a lot of people may not know about Brett was what he said was 100% true, and that Brent was always in Vince's ear about bringing in talent. Uh, you know, I remember Brett was talking about, you know, in the early days when they had the Hart Foundation, Brett was one of the guys that, you know, told Vince about Shawn Michaels and said, you know, bring this guy up. You know, we want to work with him. The tag division, you know, we've kind of run its course. There's nobody new to work with. Bring these guys in. Do they want to work with the Rockers? And they did. And uh, a lot of guys like Edge, when Edge was training in uh, Toronto and he was in Canada, Brett was the one that told you know, you got to check out this guy, Adam Copeland. And it was, it was actually Brett that, you know, recommended Edge to the WWE. You know, Brett was always doing things like that. So it didn't surprise me to hear that he was saying for years, even when Austin was still in WCW, before he even went to ECW, and he was, he was telling Vince to bring him up. You know, let's work with this guy. And then you look at that WrestleMania 13 match, And what Austin said, you know, Austin 316, everybody remembers the king of the ring. That was a huge moment in his career. If he never had that WrestleMania match, would it have hurt him? I don't think it would have hurt him. But at the same time, it was a huge defining moment in Steve Austin's career that made him legitimate. You know, he was being made by a made guy like Bret Hart. Bret Hart at the time was like John Cena is today. He was a crowd favorite. He was very loved. He was the PG guy. He was the guy that gave his glasses to the kids, and the kids would cheer him. And this was at a time when it was changing. The times were changing. It was a new era, the era of Stone Cold Steve Austin and, you know, hell yeah and raising your middle finger in the air. It was a different time, and you could feel that the fans weren't buying into the hitman anymore. They were buying into that rebellious Texas rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) for Brett to have to put Austin in the sharpshooter and blood pouring out of his head and he never gave up. It just showed how tough stone cold Steve Austin is and for Brett to attack him afterwards, you know, here you got the ultimate good guy is now turning into the ultimate bad guy and the guy who was kind of like the anti-hero in Austin became one of the top characters in the company. I mean, he became one of the made guys in the WWE after that match, and that was even before he won his first world title against Michaels later on. But it definitely played a huge part in Austin's career, and uh, they talked about just uh, so many great moments of telling a story, and Austin said just that 30 seconds, when you look back at something, it could have made all the difference in the world. And something like uh, something we just saw recently at Monday night or at the Battleground pay-per-view with Dolph Ziggler, Ziggler losing the Intercontinental title to Miz in the Battle Royal, and Ziggler was just sitting uh, by the barricade, just ultimately defeated. You know, like he just lost everything that was important to him. Little things like that, the little details tell a whole lot. You know, when The Rock beat John Cena for the first time at WrestleMania, and Cena was by the entrance ramp, and Cena was defeated. You hear all this talk about how he has to win, he has to win, and he lost. And a lot of people were saying, oh, my God, Cena might quit. Maybe Cena's done with the company. At the time, it was a really big deal because of that moment. You never saw Cena ever look weak. He's always been super Cena, super Cena. And for the first time in his career, he showed a little chink in his armor, and he was defeated. And, uh, you know, there's always been moments like that. And yet at the other side, you look at Rock and Hogan. Rock and Hogan had that moment at WrestleMania where they were face-to-face, and they shook each other's hand, and it was one of the biggest moments of the night. Here, Austin, or Austin, Hogan was the bad guy. The NWO came back to WWE. They're here to poison the WWE and take over, and The Rock, who was the ultimate good guy, and here, when I think it was, again, in Canada, bizarro world, Hogan was the baby face. Rock was the heel, and yet they had that one moment at the end of the match where they shook each other's hands, and the fans went crazy, just a uh, amazing moment that really changed uh, Hogan becoming, again, breaking away from the NWO, becoming his own guy, little things like that. And that's something I think we're missing a lot of, just guys paying attention to details and having, you know, pros really work them over and to just deliver some of the best moments, as well as matches. You know, and Austin had a tremendous wrestling match, but they also told great stories. And they also had great promos where Austin was just, You know, Austin was always great at promos. Brett, not always known for his promos. He's a technician. He's a wrestler. But he had some great heated promos with Austin back then. Just uh, he was really at his best when he was feuding
3: with Austin. Just a really great time in wrestling. Dominic, uh, what's your take on the uh, cut from uh, Steve Austin and the Hitman Hart?
6: Two great legends. There's no two ways about it. Both of those guys are great. They had great careers. Uh, They complemented each other's styles when they worked together. It was just an unbelievable time to be a wrestling fan with Bret Hart, Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, the Attitude Era, The Rock, all that good stuff that we don't have now. And, you know, like J.J. said, John Cena is like what Bret Hart was then with the people behind him right. giving his glasses to the to the kids, like Cena gives his hat and his T-shirt. But, I don't know. Bret Hart is so much better than Cena. Oh, Cena, yeah. Cena can't even carry Bret Hart's <laughs> jock in plain English. I'll put it that way. Um, Bret Hart's a wrestler's wrestler, trained yeah. in the dungeon of his father with so many of the others like Owen and Benoit and, and whoever else passed through
4: there. Yeah. Um
6: Cena can't hold a candle to Brett. I'm sorry, but he can.
3: Yeah, you know, that's why people compare Cena to Hogan. They both can't wrestle, but they both right. get the crowd going crazy. Right. And, check uh, you know all about that. Uh, being in the wrestling business for over 35 years, uh, your take on the two gentlemen you heard that you know, uh, Stone Cold and uh, Bret Harp.
7: Unbelievable. The way things are in, uh, of, of this era, you get a chance to almost hear locker room talk. These are between two professionals, and it's like they forget that they're talking to, I mean, having other people hear this stuff, you know? There was a time in this world where you wouldn't be privileged to hear this stuff. That's a lot of locker room talk, man. This is pretty amazing the way things are t- today, you know?
3: Great point. i a very good shocked point. By it. At one time, you would never hear a conversation between Austin and Bret Hart.
7: And there yeah. is stuff that they know. even say amongst each other that the wrestling fans don't even know what they're talking about. There's a lot of, the, uh, as you would say, carnage that's being talked amongst them. And you don't know what they're saying.
3: <laughs> well, in the 90s, you had Brett, you had Undertaker, you had Austin, Foley, Sean, I mean, The Rock. That was the WWE's kind of best era in that late 90s era. I mean, Tyson referees. I'll never forget, you know, the ninety six, seven, eight and, and a little bit of nine of uh Monday Night Raw. It was uh sensational. it was live. It was it was way better than Nitro, but Nitro did get the ratings win every week.
4: Hmm.
3: Um, because they had the N W O and everybody wanted to see what was going on with that. Um but eventually, uh, they won. And then they started to slaughter them, and that's when they took in Goldberg and uh, made him champion. And I remember like it was yesterday. J.J. J. Dillon announced it on Thunder that Hogan will have to uh, wrestle for the title. And this is the first week they're losing 4.8 to a 4.0, which is 8 million over 8 million views of wrestling. That's amazing in its own right. So JJ J. Dillon says that match will place take place this Monday, and wow! When Goldberg won the title first, he had to go through Scott Hall, if everybody remembers correctly, uh, and it was in Atlanta in the big dome there, right in Goldberg's uh, backyard. That was a nitro moment I will never forget. <laughs> I mean, love Goldberg, hate Goldberg, hate Hogan, whatever. Oh, wow, that's fun. But that moment when they get the one, two, three, I know people that don't even like wrestling and that, that love that spot. But J.J., do you remember that moment?
5: Yeah. And, I mean, uh, uh, Goldberg. Yeah, and obviously, uh, uh, Nitro, I mean, it was a, a huge moment. Goldberg, as I think Bobby the Brain Heathen pointed out, was undefeated. I mean, it was unheard of for a wrestler to be undefeated and then to win the world title, never having any type of loss at all. I mean, that was a first time for WCW, and I don't even think that's happened in WWE, where someone was just undefeated from day one and won straight to winning his first major, you know, world title. It was a huge moment. The fans were behind Goldberg. They wanted a change, you know, the NWO. They had their highs and lows. The fans loved them. They got behind them, but then they kind of got sick of them, and Goldberg was this kind of refreshing new face in wrestling, and he was just he was believable. He was believable when he went in there and he had these squash matches and he would spear people and jackhammer them, and he looked like he was just destroying guys. It was something that we've seen squash matches before at that time, but nothing like the way Goldberg was delivering it. It felt real. You believed in everything he did, and when he went up and he won the WCW title for the first time, it was a huge moment for WCW.
3: Dominic, what's your thoughts on that moment?
6: I was always a Goldberg fan. With the, Just what he used to do just come out and do his thing, walk back to the dressing room, became heavyweight champion. But then when he went to WWE, they didn't treat him the same way. They should have just followed suit, like this guy left one promotion, and he's with us now. Let's keep the momentum going. Goldberg was never the same when he went to WWE. That's unfortunate, cause he he could have been.
3: Right, they did put him in a, a failed spot. You, you 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 they had him against the rock, and everybody, I don't know, they they booed Goldberg. They shouldn't have put him in that situation. The only situation I liked what they did with Goldberg was if you remember the White Boy Challenge with uh, Rodney Mac and Oh, I remember
6: that, and Teddy Long. That was funny shit.
3: Yeah, White yes. Boy Challenge. And they yep. did the White Boy Challenge at Madison Square Garden back, I think it was 2003 or something, but whatever the case was, I was in the building there, and when Goldberg came out and beat the shit out of the Mac, the crowd was actually marking after Goldberg, and yep. uh, that was the way you book a Goldberg. You don't yep. book him in these matches that, uh, he was doomed to fail from day one. WWE, you're right, didn't have a clue what they were doing with a talent like Goldberg. Uh, you know, they they just should they should have used him the way WCW did. And usually they're good. WC, uh, WWE on using other people's talent. You know, they they did a good job with Booker T. They did a good job with the uh, Fit who was from WCW, certainly with the other tagger, you know, look where, where, where he came from. They did a great job. But when it came to Goldberg, they dropped the ball. They dropped it, and they still haven't been able to pick it up. Yep. Well, they had but, their uh, own
7: I, Goldberg. You remember when they had their own Goldberg? Yeah, Gilbert. Gilbert Dwayne
3: there you Gil. Yes, Gilbert is still around, I think.
7: That's what they thought about that, basically.
3: <laughs> yep. Well, this past Thursday, um, the T N H finally showed after a, what feels like a couple months already. Um, the, uh, the the from the New York City. Now I had a lot of people email me and tell me and text me that uh, they never saw T&H show so good. Everything was in place. The fans were going crazy. Tell you what, uh, they
7: edited the hell out of it, that, those shows, though. If they would have showed all, everything, it really would be good.
3: Uh, well, absolutely. But I want to know from people like Dominic and uh, J.J. is how it came off, from your opinion, on uh, TV. Let me start with you, Dominic. Uh, what did you think of the New York show on Thursday?
6: It came off great. I mean, the crowd was into it. They were wild, like the old ECW days. They were even chanting, ECW, ECW. Because it was like a reunion of all the New York guys, Bully Ray and Devon and Tommy Dreamer. It was like a reunion. And they sold out all three nights that they were there. And from what I'm guessing, they're going to sell out again when they go back there again. It just had that back-home feeling again. You know, with Taz up in the rafters cutting the promo and just the the fans going nuts for not just certain wrestlers, but for for all the wrestlers. Just like they were glad to have them back in their own backyard, no matter who it was, was over. It was was a wild crowd, very into it. Even they were into just not the guys returning like ECW guys like Bully and Devon and Tommy. But no matter who went out there and wrestled, the crowd was unbelievable.
3: The crowd was unbelievable. And how would you compare it to the previous uh, Impact show? Well,
6: Impact, the crowd is always really, really into it. Um, You always hear them chanting um, TNA, TNA, or or, um, this is awesome, this is awesome. You always hear that. WWE, you hear it once in a while. But a lot of times in WWE, even though Raw is live, I still think that they pipe in the applause, the laughter, because they got fans applauding like there's no tomorrow. And then when you look at the crowd, they're not doing nothing. Right. But I don't think DNA has to do that. TNA's fans are, are generally into the product itself, into all the wrestlers. WWE fans are bored of certain things over and over and over again. And they show it by by not even reacting. It could be it a great is. match, but if the fans ain't into it, they'll chant boring, 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 and they'll shit all over it. It could be the match of the century, but if they're not into it, then that makes you feel bad for the guys in the ring, like they're pouring their heart out breaking their breaking their balls, and the fans don't seem to be happy. It's like all right, what do we do next to get the fans to get the fans going?
3: Excellent point uh JJ what was your thoughts when you saw the uh, impact show from New York? Well, it was a, a
5: huge show for impact. Kurt Angle opened up the show, bringing back the six-sided ring, which definitely got a great response from the crowd, something we haven't seen in years, not since, you know, Hogan came to TNA and they got rid of the six sides. But uh, it was definitely different. You know, I remember reading Lance Storm talk about how the six sides maybe doesn't uh, produce well. It's hard to film. It's hard to get, you know, good angles on camera. I almost could see his point certain times, but for the most part, I thought they did a great job. They was, uh, you could really, you know, see the action well, but, uh, you know, as Dominic said, the crowd was just rabid throughout most of the night. I mean, the opening between Tommy Dreamer, Bully versus Rhino and, uh, Ethan Carter, the third, I mean, there was definitely, you felt that sort of, you know, ECW crowd and the, that just hot, you know, wild crowd that, you know, is unpredictable and just, they're really passionate about wrestling. I know I think uh, either Tommy Dreamer or Taz at one point mentioned that they're going to do less talking, and I thought they did a good job of just really just doing that, less talking, more emphasis on wrestling. They still had a few uh, backstage segments that I could have done without. We saw lots of James Storm talking to Sonata before a match, after a match. You know, we didn't need to see that twice. Maybe once could have been good enough, but for the most part, they really started to cut down. A lot of people said that that impact felt like a reset for TNA, a, a way to sort of start fresh, to start new, and to really get fans aboard. We saw a really great X-Division match with Austin Aries, Eddie Edwards, Manic, Davey Richards, Zima Ion, Sonata, Crazy Steve, and uh, Tigre Uno. And again, we talked about well, there's times in wrestling where something is kind of silly but yet appropriate. You have a sort of bizarre character like crazy steve he's dressed up like a clown and at one point in the match he pulled out silly string and he sprayed his opponent's eyes with silly string and the crowd thought it was hilarious but in the context of the match he's a clown what the hell do you expect of course he's going to do something kind of silly and goofy like that so in that particular time the fans thought it was appropriate and they laughed it was funny it was unusual it made sense it wasn't something that was, you know, it didn't, you know, feel right or didn't fit the moment or the character. Uh, again, it came down to Aries and Sonata. Once they sort of narrowed it down to a one-on-one match. Great match. Eric Young and Bobby Roode no. uh, teaming again, Team Canada against Kenny King and uh, MVP. An MVP, who I'm not even sure if he was cleared to wrestle or not. He was still sort of, uh, you know, limping and trying to play the injury card. He didn't really get too involved in that tag match. But, uh, you know, there was a really just the fans were into it. There was only one point where the fans were kind of bored, and that was when the knockouts came out. We saw, I think, Madison Rain versus Brittany. and at one point the fans were chanting for CM Punk. They were chanting, better than Batista. Why are they chanting for Batista or better than Batista? That's something that you would hear on NXT. That's not even something you would even hear in WWE. It's something you would hear from the the NXT crowd over at, which actually is in Florida, too, at the Performance Center, wherever they have the NXT shows. So I, that was something that kind of blew my mind that they did that chant. But uh, Jeff Hardy versus Bobby Lashley, Jeff Hardy is a maniac. I don't know how that man is still wrestling. He did a swanton bomb off the top rope to the steel steps on the floor. I don't know how he's still walking. That was just brutal. It was a great match. We saw, you know, Bubba Ray or Bully Ray get very close to putting Dixie through a table. It didn't happen that week, but who knows? Maybe we'll see it this week or next week. This week they're filming Destination X, so we'll, we'll be seeing that. I think you were there there, uh, right, King?
4: Uh,
3: I was uh, there on the middle show, the pay per view, and okay. part of the taping. I guess, I guess, part of the taping. That uh, you'll see on Thursday. So, yes. And there's a, what, I guess there's a pay-per-view on on a Saturday or something, right? Somebody was telling me on the 26th of July that, what's that pay-per-view that they taped there? Um, uh, the, the, the Blackjack, you remember they taped that pay-per-view there, right?
7: If you don't know... I don't even remember myself. <laughs> I'll tell you I'm right
6: now. Bed. I'll tell you right now. Wait hey. a minute. Let me look in my book. July 26th, right?
7: Of what year? Of
6: this, Saturday,
7: Saturday. this year or last year? It can't be this year. It didn't happen yet.
3: No, this Saturday is supposed to be a pay-per-view. Oh, this Saturday. taped from the the New York City shows that we were out where I think no, we got don't- uh,
6: There's no taping at all on July 26th for TNA. There is, there's nothing.
3: There's no show?
6: There's nothing like that?
7: No, not on July 26th.
6: There's no taping. That's a Saturday anyway.
7: That's this Saturday.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that, that pay-per-view, I guess, will be this Thursday then? It should be. Yeah,
6: yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, they're doing the pay-per-view format, and they're going to show it on this Thursday.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. And that what's the name of that pay-per-view? again I forgot. It's called Destination
6: Destination X. Destination
3: X. Yeah. Okay, yes. This is when uh Sixty finally gets her due. And uh wow. I'll tell you one thing though, Bobby Lashley's uh living the life. you know, in terms of his uh his better half. You know, uh, he he he's going out with a very nice.
7: What are you talking
3: about? I just have to say on the record that Mr. Bob Lashley has a beautiful wife.
7: Oh, and kiss. okay. Yeah, he had a beautiful right wife. Next. He ain't with her no more.
4: Yeah, right.
7: The well, the current
3: current girl who looks like she would probably get ID'd in the store, but I'm sure she. You know, old enough, but she she's uh, they're half and half, and yeah. Instead her,
7: uh, of watching the up matches, the king, he was sitting right next to the to, to the uh, to the girl.
3: Yes, and the kids were going crazy when he came out. But
4: uh,
7: uh,
3: that was a great great review. Uh, it felt like an ECW homecoming. There I was talking with the old uh, Atlas Security guy. Uh saying how this could never be ECW again. And what do you know? You know, Al Snow comes out, you know, I know he works in the back, but he came out in uniform. They gave out styrofoam heads as you guys know. Uh but uh Yeah, that
7: guy Ronnie, uh, he had his own show on that Two Network. You remember that with the security guard that threw out the uh they had the wrestling on that two T V? Ronnie's oh, yeah, big that's right. Yeah,
6: that's Big Ronnie. He's You're one right. of the head guys of Atlas Security.
3: Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. He's a gentle giant. He's a very nice guy. Just don't do the wrong thing, of course. Uh, but he's an awesome guy to talk to. And uh, I tell you, it sounds like, Black Check, that they will be coming there monthly.
7: Yeah, uh, it looks it's like it's there's work. a date for August fifth, sixth, and seventh, and there's possibly a show even uh, as as we uh, as we speak here. There's another show set for September, looks like.
3: And I got to give TNA credit in the list. Three to four weeks, they've changed things for the better. You know, since Sting left and a whole bunch of people left, it looked really bad. But in the last yeah. three, four, six weeks, JJ, would you agree that TNA is starting to look a little better?
5: Oh, definitely. I mean, as you said, you know, we lost guys like AJ Styles, who was really the company man. We lost Christopher Daniels, <coughs> who's been there since day one, like Chris Sabin. And we even lost some of the, the bigger names, like the Hogan, the Stings, the Rob Van Damme. And yet TNA is doing, you know, just as good as they were. I think there there was a time when people were really legitimately scared that this place was being going to go out of business before the year is up. And right now they seem to be doing pretty well. As you pointed out, they could be making the Manhattan Center a, a permanent part of theirs, you know, where they film Impact, you know, every couple of months or so. I especially heard that Ring of Honor won't be going there as much. They can't afford the place so if TNA can, that's definitely a great market. There's passionate, you know, fans that want to see wrestling. So you know, I hope this is a great uh, time for TNA to really turn things up.
3: Absolutely. And Dominic, what's your take? To, do you agree or disagree? In the last four to six weeks, has TNA put on a better product? Yes, it has.
6: TNA's put on a much better product, like they've been putting on. Because there were times that I said, I think this promotion's going to be done pretty soon. And people were even saying it. It looks like yeah. it's all over yeah. for them. But they're doing better yeah. now. You know, they brought in guys like Sonata. They brought in Tigre Uno. Uh, they're doing better with the uh, with the Mr. Anderson thing. They're doing good with, with Gunner, him trying to, like, mentor Believe, right? Samuel Shaw. And, uh, you know... They they got a lot of Ray Big part of the show. Well, right. Bully Ray a big, big part of the show. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Everybody loves to see Bully Ray back. And uh, as long as Bully Ray is there, I don't know if Devon is going to continue to be there or he's going to stay out. But Bully Ray is the most over guy in that company, as a heel or as a face. And eventually we're gonna see Dixie get put through a
3: table, uh, yes, and I think you can count hours down for that no one but uh,
7: right now, with all it's even on this YouTube stuff, man, they yeah. actually show this stuff with, with, with their cameras. you're not supposed yeah. to be recording what the fans do anyway. they tell the fans put away no no video no video recording, and what they do, they still. A recording, man. It's a different time now. All this stuff that goes on these phones, it's it's amazing. I mean, I mean, we used to get the, the newsletters and we had the gab lines and, and reveal spoilers. Now they do it within hours, within minutes, within seconds as yeah. it's shown. I mean, it's still up. You want to go see Dixie get thrown to a table, look it up. All through the yep. phone, through the internet, it's amazing to me to see this stuff go down the way it's going down. I mean, well, this is sure new age. the time. This but is what goes on. I gotta, there's no I gotta secret. It that one was put because... to the table. It was, it was pretty good at the, at the time. And you want to see it again on TV? I can't wait for that moment. I was there. King was there. Wait till you see it.
6: Now, I'll tell it's you, Bobby stuff. Mulrennan, who's a photographer on WrestlingFigs.com, okay? He he was at all the shows in the Manhattan Center.
7: Who's that, he took Bob Mulrannan? a Marennan? lot of
6: good pictures.
7: Bob Mulrannan?
6: Yeah. But He's Bobby doesn't best. put the pictures up on the site until the show airs on television.
7: Yeah, yeah.
6: Bobby don't put them up ahead right.
3: of time.
7: He's old school when it comes to that. This is Yeah, from- we
3: saw the uh, Dominic... When I called you to ask you uh, where it was, because I was unsure, uh-huh. and we both thought it was in New York, and then you called him yeah, up, right? I don't know
6: what happened that day, but then the following week, last week, we saw the six-sided ring, <laughs> and Kurt Angle welcomed us to the six-sided ring in Manhattan. Mm.
3: Which he wasn't even there. The blackjack, right? Who's that? I know Taz did that little thing. I, I He was there for half yeah. a minute. But
7: In three I don't days, know, they, they cut and splice. They cut and splice, yes. brother. So they did That's a lot of that do. cut and splice stuff. <laughs> They've always done but, uh, that. that, and they do it even more so. As I said, uh, with the stuff there that you won't even see that gets edited out fine, but they still have the the fans to... Uh, they got fans there sitting there recording the whole show.
3: Yes, out of those names, JJ, that were really re- re- uh, Excuse me, or released by the WWE released or waived, whatever you want to call it. Who would you grab if you were TNA if you had an opportunity? Oh, that a was their name.
7: Who could they afford? Who that's the question? It? Who can yeah, they not. afford to bring in? Uh, you know, come on. And when it comes down to to the money. I, 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 think, that I still it. think TNA could still be in 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 trouble here, despite the the, the decent shows and, and the turnaround. That thing could go down at any any moment, any week.
3: Absolutely, but I want to know that the guys that the W said no, thank you, we're not really interested in you anymore. What was it, fourteen guys?
4: Yeah, Can just,
3: just about. Give me two that you would personally like TNA to grab.
5: Well, two guys that would fit right in with the X Division. A guy, I think, who was in TNA once before, a guy who uh, he, his name in TNA was Matt Seidel, but a lot of WWE fans might know him as Evan Bourne. Evan Bourne, he does the uh, shooting ah. star press. You know, he was a, he'd be great fit for the X Division. Another guy who might be doing pretty well for the X Division, someone who could even form a tag team with Sonata, Yoshitatsu. Yoshitatsu, a really great, uh, quick, athletic high flyer. You know, he never really got an opportunity to do anything special in WWE. TNA could be a place for him to really latch on and prove that he's a great wrestler. Uh, You know, and there's even people like Josh Matthews. Josh Matthews who maybe could replace Jeremy Borash, you know, someone like an Oksana they could bring into, you know, the knockout division. They could use some new knockouts. I mean they have, you know, Brittany, they have the beautiful people back, but they still need, you know, someone you know, just someone else to to bring into the division. So you could get Oksana as long as she doesn't you know, crush anyone's eye socket. But uh, other than that, you know, my number two guys would be Evan Bourne and Yoshitatsu.
3: I got to agree with you. That's two good picks. Dominic, out of the guys that were recently uh, given the pink slip from the WWE, who would you, Dominic, pick to be on uh, Team TNA? Them two picks were
6: great, J.J. Um, Of course, Yoshitatsu was the first one that came to my mind. And then the other half for Crime Time, JTG.
4: That little guy can fly,
6: he can move. You put him with a good partner, you can make a good team out of him, and he could be a great singles guy on his own. And Josh Matthews was at the TV tapings for, for TNA. That yeah, he, he might be getting a job with TNA. Interesting. Oh, so
3: good. He deserves, he deserves one. As and, far as uh, the women
6: go, yeah, they could use Oksana. They could use a couple of them all, ladies. They're not even using ODB anymore. I don't know why they're not, but
3: they yeah. could. That's right. She's an original, too, yep. pretty much. Yep. She's yep. been there since, what, 06?
4: Yeah, ODB's been there, there, a
3: there for a while. A while. Yeah. yeah. How long,
5: KJ? Yeah, as you said, she's been there for a while, probably since at least, you know, mid to to late 2000, maybe 2006. <laughs> She came in, and, you know, she didn't have her tattoos yet, but uh, she was been really physical, had some great matches there. She took some time off. She came back. She had the tattoos back. I think she was even enhanced in certain places. She was bigger than ever. But uh, they're not doing anything with her now, which is a shame, because I think the people like her. They were cheering for her. They like ODB, especially with Eric Young back. It would be nice to have her and him kind of together again,
3: but I don't know what they're doing with her. Well, definitely, I would like to see Josh Matthews. I think we're all in agreement here with Josh Matthews. Uh, If anything, he could share time with uh, Shivani and Tez, and uh, you know, like one will do the pay per view, one won't. One, you know, they'll all just add him to the team. Quite frankly, Um, another guy I would uh, like—I don't even know if he's on the list—was Chavo. Um, I think he was released. I'm pretty sure. Uh, He would be great. uh, And he's funny. You know, the Guerrero, he has the the other Guerrero's there, the uncle. Um, He could still go, you know.
6: Javo was released from
3: there, and so was Hernandez. I don't know why.
5: Yeah, that's true.
3: Well, uh, he was, and Dilo was released and brought back. you know, it's also goes by these writers that they bring in and take out Vince Russo, uh, for one. He has a lot of say, had a lot of say. Thank God he's not with the TNA anymore. Some people oh, say. Oh, you don't know? Past-
4: <coughs> <laughs> um,
3: yes, we don't see the New Age Outlaws anymore. That's a crime.
7: <laughs>
3: uh, they did have a good run, um, yeah. but I don't know what. I think mostly
7: by choice.
9: They so, are running.
7: They're in the back. They're in charge of, of, of a lot of stuff that goes on. They're more behind the scenes. They 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 are agents. Yeah. And it's a lot easier on their bodies, and uh, they work more verbally and uh, telling a lot of these people what to do now, and that's better for them. Such as probably what the undertaker should be doing too. It's them back and help a lot of these wrestlers uh, become the future undertakers of tomorrow.
3: All right, JJ, I think you mentioned something. Did you see the magazine that I was talking about, or something uh, 30th? Were you telling me that?
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, at the start of the show, I mentioned uh, the WWE just released a new magazine called 2014. It's their yearbook where they're covering You know, just highlights uh, of what's been going on in WWE from January up until now. They kind of profile the uh, current roster. And uh, on page one, they have a very nice tribute to the Ultimate Warrior. They show uh, his picture as well as the WWE roster that uh, Monday night when they were all on stage. You know, you see uh, Vince and Cena and Triple H and Orton and... uh, you know, just uh, the whole roster there, paying tribute to Warrior, wearing, you know, the, the T-shirts and, and, like, and you know, just uh, it's just a really cool photo. It's something you can check out. It was just released, I believe, this week, so uh, you can definitely check it out. It comes with a poster of Daniel Bryan and John Cena, so it just came
3: out, so definitely it's worth uh, a browse or two. Uh, Do you have any idea, J.J., uh, what is the top-selling merchandise in WWE? Well, you know, if you go to WWE Shop,
5: I would assume that, you know, like always, you know, John Cena is, you know, the number one seller there. They have, you know, a list of people who, you know, they have featured Now, I couldn't say if that's, you know, a list of the top number one, number two, number three, but they do have, of course, CM Punk still listed. They still have merchandise for him, despite the fact that he was, you know, put in the alumni section. He's no longer a part of the current roster, and uh, they're still selling his merchandise. Daniel Bryan's a, a big seller right now, despite the fact he's not there. They are also selling... You know, diva shirts, uh, A.J. Lee, uh, The Shield, even though they broke up, they still have merchandise. A lot of people trying to get their Shield shirts now that they're gone, especially because they have these sales where it's a little bit cheaper. But the, like always, John Cena, you know, the, he's the king of the mountain for them. He's their
3: top seller. Yes, and this, uh, they took off uh, CM Punk uh, from the roster. They sure mm-hmm. as hell did not take more the Shop Zone. Okay, no. we cannot leave without uh, getting our toast of the birthdays and the, uh, this wrestling uh, week in history, and it's brought to you by Dominic Valente's Wrestling Hot Seat, which could be called at 3 at 212, 629, 1900. Of course, if you're out of state, I guess that would apply, but this day and age, it's usually one flat rate. In any event, let's go to Dominic. Uh, Dominic, the are you ready
6: for that? Uh I gotta find the paper. I gotta put the phone down for a couple of minutes, um, till I find my report for today. So talk among the trees and I'll be back in a second.
3: Absolutely. Uh but I am looking forward to this Thursday's uh show. Uh And uh, JJ, uh, did they tease anything in terms of the show?
10: Well, they say... uh,
3: Yes. Uh, From what, if you saw
5: last week's impact, Austin Aries uh, won the X-Division championship from Sonata. So Austin Aries, because it is the Destination X pay-per-view, will have the option to cash in his X Division title for an opportunity to face uh, Bobby Lashley for the TNA World title. This is something that they've done for the last two or three years. They have this uh, X Division option C where the champion can cash in and get an opportunity to be the TNA World champion. It's something that Aries has done in the past, and Aries beat Bobby Roode to become the TNA champion. So it's it's happened before, and it worked. Will it happen, and will it work? Will Aries become the new TNA champion? I don't know. I mean, Bobby Lashley has a a lot going on, believe it or not, besides the uh, hot new girlfriend. He's actually (laughs) juggling an MMA career. He's supposed to fight for Bellator MMA on Spike TV as well as continue to compete and be the TNA world champion. So he's actually doing both at the same time. Okay, I'm back. I got the
3: list. Okay, let's close it off with the uh, birthdays, and let's give the mic to Dominic Valente at 212-69-1900. And, uh, Dominic, it's all yours.
6: Uh, We got some good ones today. We got Sean Simpson from the old global days. We got Mr. Mexico from CMLL back in the day. I haven't seen him in a while. We got the legendary Von Erich family, David Von Erich, the Star Spangled Banger, the All American Back Jumper, Bob Roop, and the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels. Celebrities, we got wow. Monica Lewinsky. You could find her on wow. the
4: desk.
6: You got Danny Glover. Um we also got um We also got Alex Trebek from Jeopardy. We got Don Henley, (laughs) Selena Gomez, comedian Albert Brooks, John Leguizamo, David Spade, and one of the famous funny comedians yesterday, I just found out it was his birthday, July 21st, comedian George Wallace. Hmm. Wow. the fabulous Moolah.
5: Oh, Wow. Uh God, All right, the day so. in
6: wrestling history. This is Canadian now, July twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Hmm. Dan Miller and Ronnie Etchison defeated Kenji Shibuya and Mitsu Arakawa. My God! In Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, to win the Canadian tag team titles, the Vancouver version of them of them belts.
3: Wow! That's
6: it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That was some team. Kenji Shibuya
3: and Mitsuo Arakawa,
6: unbelievable.
3: Yes, yes, indeed. So, in closing, now JJ, uh, what what can we expect uh, for uh, Monday's Raw? More build up to Summerslam, I guess.
5: Definitely we should see more built-up, uh, Paul Heyman being the mouthpiece for Brock Lesnar. We probably won't see Lesnar a whole lot in the next coming weeks, but we should see possibly Roman Reigns, Randy Orton feud, more with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, Jericho and Wyatt. In fact, we were just talking about how TNA likes to edit things and do stuff. Yesterday on Monday Night Raw, they were going to have the highlight reel with Chris Jericho, and the Wyatts attacked him backstage. The only thing was... Jericho wasn't even at Raw on Monday. Jericho was busy selling his new uh, album from Fozzie. So they actually taped that at the Battleground pay-per-view, and they aired it on Raw as if Jericho was actually there live, but he wasn't.
6: Oh, I read that today, yeah. Yeah, so uh, lots of stuff to look forward to.
7: Now, where would you read that from, uh, Dominic? Where did you get that from?
6: It was on one of the websites that they taped it at the pay-per-view because Jericho was not at Raw. Okay. And then another thing I noticed on Raw, when one of the Bella Twins was in the audience, she called Stephanie a bitch. <laughs> and every time they replayed it, they bleeped that out.
7: Because it was live. Well, did you know Yeah, notice but why something? bleep
6: it out when they showed it again? They did something else,
7: too. Like they, they didn't those... bleep it
4: up
6: live, but what's the
4: story? They blacked
5: do you remember when they blacked it out? Yeah.
7: They blacked well, you know it out. Why?
5: They blacked out when Nikki Bella was thrown out of the ring because she had a nip slip. Oh. <laughs> oh, my. Oh,
7: my. That was something can else. You, can you look it up Definitely. on a computer, though? Is, I always miss the
6: goddamn nip slip, for Christ's
7: sake. They used to do that a lot with <laughs> Stephanie McMahon and uh, uh, Sable when that stuff oh. used to happen. Oh, God, Sable, Jesus Christ. Live
3: TV. Uh, Yep. Oh, good Lord. We're going to leave you since this was a throwback night. Oh, somebody
6: told me this. Let me interject this. Jeff Sheridan told me that when they did that overseas thing over in England where Jacqueline just took off her T-shirt and her big, beautiful tits was showing, on the network they got that fuzzed out.
3: Oh, shit. Yep. Are you serious?
6: Yep. Oh, my Jeff told me. He, he, yeah. He said they they, they 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 fuzzed it out. They don't let you see the nipples.
3: That is. That is. <laughs> that is bullshit. That's what that That's is. It. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you, guys. We're going to go back old school to uh, end the show. With WWE Raw is Raw, of course they're not allowed to say that anymore. And, yes, you uh, can say course, anything you want. Yes, yes. Dominic also, Jim Powers, thanks you. He will come on the show, and he will come on your show. Great. Because uh, he wants to, uh, he wants to watch that tape that he got. Uh, thanks to Dominic Valente, uh, yeah, Jim Powers was able to see the shoot. And he wants to respond to it. And uh, good job, uh, Dominic, uh, by you.
6: Yeah, Uh, Jim. Jim, Just glad to help out one of the guys. Dave, Dave done a lot for me through the years, so it's nice to give back.
3: Absolutely, and he thanks you immensely, and so do I. And uh, of course, JJ, thank you. uh, Always great joining us. You guys. And brother Blackjack. We'll keep in touch.
7: Brother King, Brother JJ Dominic, always a pleasure, my brother. Yes,
3: yeah, Same same way
6: here, man. Oh, Yo, King, say, give me a call when you get done wrapping up. You gotta
3: give me your new number. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Let's go back to nineteen ninety seven to hear the war team. War is a war. Night,
0: everybody.